Welcome to Waiting for Game, podcast presented by Melee Stats. I'm your host, Gimme That Wheat, on this beautiful, lovely, just a, a nice warm summer day in the middle of spring. What a, what a wonderful day. Hopefully we've got a wonderful episode to go along with it. I've got my wonderful friend here, Edwin. He's the only guy who actually knows what a major is. Edwin, what's going on? Uh, not much, man. I'm really excited to be here. We're fresh off a weekend with a big victory for our sponsored player, Pipsqueak. We got a great uh, New York City regional coming up, and we got the head uh, of the regional sitting here with, with us right now. I'm excited to talk to you, and I'm thrilled to have uh, Rio Beat on the show. Rio Beat, what have you been up to? How's it going? Whew, I've been tired, honestly. I... Uh... I definitely just got off of radio melee, actually, <laughs> and uh, you know, just just going back to shill function again. I have a million unanswered DMs, but I'm just trying to truck along until until function comes. But uh, tired, but definitely still moving and doing stuff. So feeling good for sure. Doing the publicity tour. Um, yeah, I mentioned how beautiful a day it's here. It's in the 70s here where I am, and uh, you know, perfect to have a guest who is uh, in the MPGR 70s. For all the people out there who said we would never have someone who's ever been ranked 72nd on the top 100, well, here it is. We've uh-huh. proved all of our doubters wrong. They're so um, dumb. <laughs> Edwin, hey, uh, I'm wearing shorts right now, speaking of the weather. Are you wearing shorts? What's your uh, situation? No, I'm wearing jeans. The uh, the weather in Boston has been in the late 40s, uh, early 50s all day, pretty cloudy. So a little jealous. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Short situation. Uh, I went into the office, and I don't know if they're socially acceptable for men in the workplace, which they should be. We, we might need to, need to get into that. But we need we'll to unionize men. Are you know the most oppressed group of society? It's never like you know taken seriously. Like we really, really like I don't know why I can't wear shorts because I'm showing a little skin. It, it's it's nice actually, you know. Um, but you know I didn't bring a jacket, so that was cool. Mm. So I got to, you know, feel the air on me. Just have my NYC Melee merch over here, which you can get at, you know, NYC-Melee-to-Creator, Teespring, something, in some link. It's really cool. That's why I wore to work. You know, I think it's, I I personally think it's amazing that you have this merch to uh, talk about your brand and and NYC Melee, especially with uh, NYC Melee having so many W's as of lately, this big regional coming up. I think it's a... I definitely think this is an amazing feeling you have as someone, you know, le- like part of the leadership of a group of people to have merch to uh, support not only your brand, but your brand's continued success in all these areas. We um, just, uh, you know, on a slightly different topic, though, uh, what happened at Low Tide City this weekend? You know, I really do love Nico's this black sweatshirt with uh, like a white design on it. I want to say that someone at Low Tide City was also yeah. wearing a black sweatshirt with also a white design. I'm having trouble putting my fingers on it. Was it Mech? No, I think it was yeah. a Persona oh. 5 hoodie. Yeah, it was a little red. Oh, it must have been Axe then, right? Like I, I think Axe, that... yeah, he loves... No, no, he was wearing a hat that said uh, Pikachu, and then he was wearing a Teppo Storm. Who else was it? So it's not Axe. Oh, is there anyone else Bobby, who's in Bobby the... Big Balls going to sponsor? I don't think it was Bobby Big Balls, but I think we're closer. This person does wear glasses. I remember glasses. 
Well, I guess uh, I guess it'll never come to us. Maybe it'll come to us later in the episode. But uh, let's talk about who won this one. This was uh, this was a young man with a, you know, a bespeckled young man in a slim black, uh, yeah, very very slimming, looked very svelte. Um, we're talking, of course, about the international sensation, Pipsqueak. Yeah. Now, I am not one to take credit for someone else's wins. However, melee stats probably is who we should be, you know, who everyone should be thanking for this mm-hmm. uh, this monumental win. Pipsqueak gets here on his own. Yeah, who knows? He probably gets. Well, I, I thought it was um, the cheat who kind of who kind of made that kind of happen. Uh, you know what? This would not be the first time that a member of BTS tries to take the <laughs> credit for all of the stuff that MS has made and put into the world. <laughs> this is the long lineage. Yeah. But uh, yes, of course, we're talking about melee stats. The uh, the first member of the melee stats creation showcase, more to come, uh, in the near future. We're talking about Pipsqueak. So Pipsqueak, this is his little... Well, we're seeing the Pipsqueak victory tour currently, right? It didn't, it didn't start off as a victory tour, but, but I think now we can say that it is. Um, yeah, let, let's kind of get into this, because we didn't talk about uh, Low Tide City. We didn't preview it. We had a lot to talk about last week with Summit and Pound and tournament experience and all that type of stuff. We, we kind of got into it with Dark Genix in a, in a pretty good episode. Sorry, in a great episode last week. But we didn't get to preview this. Edwin, going into this, I want your honest opinion, as honest as you can be now that the events happen. What, did, what was Pipsqueak's chances in your mind of winning this? So, uh, I thought he had a decent shot. I uh, Before he dropped out, I thought Hungrybox would be a little tough. I thought that Pipsqueak could have a shot at a, at upset, upsetting Axe. I didn't expect him to 3-0 him, frankly, the, the way he did. I know Axe had a... I know Axe was talking about having controller issues after the set or whatever, but still, like, this is within a range of possibilities, right? And I, I frankly thought Pipsqueak was playing strong enough to where even if Axe was playing well, like, that was a scary opponent for uh, Axe. But uh, I thought Pipsqueak had a bit of an underdog shot. I I believe the seeding had him at sixth or whatever. They had him matched up with Salt in winner's quarters, and I thought that he put on an absolute clinic against him. And yeah. frankly, he looked great against the uh, Axe a day later. He looked amazing versus Mech again. I know he said he didn't feel amazing and he just felt like he was playing all right versus Mech. But from the outside in, I mean, even even Pipsqueak on his, oh, he thinks this is B game. He, like, just there's so many situations where he just had him in like knockdown or off stage, and it just looked automatic, like like clockwork. I'm uh, really proud of him for for winning this weekend. Uh, obviously, as you briefly mentioned, we he's been in the states for a little bit now and it's been fun to track his uh progress at increase at different events and seeing his trajectory seeing him get a chance against all these seeing him get a chance to perform against all these really exciting up-and-coming players um and i'm glad that the melee scene got to see a, a little bit of that at low tide city yeah i think he's been uh off to like a <clears throat> pretty decent start i feel like some people may look at pound and say, oh, you know, blah, 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 Mad Tyro set. But I don't think people talk about his loser's run, which was incredibly impressive because he beat Skurzo, Dreffen, um, and JoJo, and then only losing to Logan, where he was trying out his Falcon on, like, a big stage for the first time in a while, and it was still game five. Um, plus the LTC win, I think he's proving himself against all the up-and-comers in a way that kind of shows that, you know, if you didn't know Pipsqueak before and you thought he was an up-and-comer, that's not the case. Like, he already up and yeah. came you know what i mean like he it's it's more a question of like can he crack the next tier um so i hope any doubters have 
you know, kind of settled that he's not on that level. Yeah. So, Rob, you are uh, hosting Pip for this week. I know he just got there, and I know he's already on his way to a local, and just kind of shows the grind that he's been going on. Uh, even despite the fact that he's been entering, he plans to enter four tournaments in four weeks. Despite that, he's already entering locals. Um, I don't know. Did you get a chance to talk to him about the trip so far, or what's been going on? Is there any uh, talk that you guys have? Um, we talked a little bit. I know he's not thrilled about the fact that his ADHD meds got left in mm-hmm. Texas somewhere. Hopefully, maybe someone could, like, ship it to my place somehow. If anyone listens that knows, like, just let me know. Um, or, I don't know, some backup thing could happen. Um, he's a little worried about that. But I think, like, for me, I think he's in a good place to just do well because I think he's just in a great mood. I think he's really excited about just the opportunity to play all these different people. It doesn't seem like he's particularly bummed if he plays bad or bummed if he gets a certain loss. Like, he feels, like, just incredibly motivated. Um, is kind of my uh, assessment on, like, the conversation I had with him. Like, he came in from a flight, and, like, I'd imagine he was just, like, ready to sleep, but kind of just wanted to talk about Melee for, like, an hour. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. Um, so he's really <laughs> open there. Oh, yeah. In my head, like, you know, between us, I was like, dude, I got to work tomorrow. But he was like, yeah, my Falcon, he was like this big monkey man, and he'd run up grab, and i just do whatever I want. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Making, he did make monkey noises, woke up my landlord. Um, he's like a, you know, he just, I don't know, feels like a, like just a kid in a really big carnival. He just wants to try everything. <laughs> he just wants to be everywhere. It's really awesome. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really interesting event for him. I mean, you mentioned, unfortunately, you know, he will be playing these next few events until he gets back to Sweden. He will be playing it without uh, this ADHD medicine. Um, <laughs> or, or, as I said, uh, which legally is a joke, uh, he could talk to. Yeah, he could find the right two and tour at the SoCal local. He goes, he's gonna go to before Summit. I'm, I'm sure he could find something. But no, yeah. it'll, it'll be a bit of a shame because this is what we saw at Pound was a little bit of a disappointment. But you can understand um, that that's based on travel and really just based on high expectations from what he did last year. Um, right. Getting 17th, losing to Logan and having the losers run he had is really impressive for a lot of people. Um, so, like, what we saw at Low Tide City was just kind of more of what we expected. So I really want to see what's going on with him because with any European player you get, you know, there's going to be, like, like you have to um, prove within a shadow of a doubt that you're actually good. <laughs> I think the thing that European right. players have that burden on them more than any other, like, North American players do. So it'll be interesting to see because I think that if he's able to – you know, continue this level of results, the ones that he was doing at Pound and, Fun- and uh, Low Tide City, if he can do that at Function and Summit, like what we were considering last year, you know, top 30 or so, I think that's really attainable. I think, I mean, with what we've been seeing recently, I think he could even go higher. Uh, but speaking of players who are in the top 20, in the top 30, I know it was only a few weeks ago where we mentioned Axe. Axe had a you know, pretty decent genesis. He um, ended up beating Fiction, got 13th, I believe. Uh Pound was, you know, I, I think he ended up getting maybe 13th again or something like that. Um, something that is fine, right? It's a really good uh, placing. But what we've seen of Axe recently has not really been the Axe that we've seen years ago. And I know that there was a lot of talk about his controller, um, so I'm not about to say that this is going to be the new Axe. But we have seen these kind of performances recently, maybe not to this level. Um, and it's basically just like, it's really interesting to find out, uh, like, the acts that we're going to see, right? Is this 
what acts are we going to see at these next events, um, whatever events these might be. And Edwin, I know you had a lot of thoughts about, you know, what's going on with acts currently, what's going on with his characters, you know, all this type of stuff. What do you, uh, like, how do you view acts currently? You know, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Uh, the one thing I'll say is um, I, th- I was very impressed that Mech was able to beat him. Uh, you know, his, historically speaking, you know, before uh, before the pandemic and everything, other than I think Wizzy, Falcon was on those mattresses that we didn't really see Axe losing that much. Yeah. Like he would drop sets here and there, but he had very dominant records against the field. Um, that's something that I'm not like quite, um, I'm not quite used to seeing. Honestly, I, I know that there's, you know, Axe has always been a volatile player historically, right? He's He's always had peaks and valleys of performances. He's had slumps. But I think it would be, uh, I think anyone would be lying if they said that, like, the last year and a half hasn't been, like, one of the biggest, like, challenges of Axe's competitive career as a, as a player, right? But I, I think, like, you know, even just watching his matches and going, uh, you know, not just looking at the numbers, I think he's still got it. Like, there's still moments where he looks like the old Axe. I mean, he was one SD away from eliminating Mango at 13th at Genesis, right? True. I think uh, I think Axe is one of those people that you can never like quite. I, I mean, there's there's some matchups that maybe he has got a bit of a rough road ahead of him. But like Axe against any Spacey, like is he going to be favored to win versus IBW or Leffen or or someone like even Moki again? You no, know, probably not. But can he take a set? I think he's still like he still shows glimpses of it. As if I see Axe versus Logan, Kadorn, or Zane and Bracket, am I going to think that's like, I mean, with Zane, who knows, but like Kadorn or Logan Bracket, am I going to bet against Axe? Probably no, right? Like, if I see Axe against a, a lot of people, like, it's still Axe, right? So, I mean, just, just thinking about like his performances, I think uh, even his Smash World Tour championship showing all the way in December, he didn't make it out of pools, but I didn't think it was like a bad showing. He just kind of, he lost a set against another very strong player like Sora, mm-hmm. right? So I think if anything, uh, I think if anything, he'll rebound a little bit. But we might have to, I mean, not might have to, we already have. But like, you know, if, if you're going into this waiting for the return of Axe as a top five player, as one of the players we talk about with a chance to win a super major, I don't know if we'll, we'll see that again for, for a little bit. I don't know if I've seen enough to make me think that like, he can get back to that, but it is still Axe, and people people have bad days at the at tournaments all the time. If Axe came back at his next tournament and like beat, uh, I don't know, like Ben Captain Face Roll, and then took a set off like a top fifteen play like Kadoran or something to get to winners quarters in the big tournament, would I be shocked? Probably not, right? Like he's very capable of that. I just think that uh, you know, the whole peaks and valleys thing, like the range of Axe results has always been big. And over the last like year or so, we've kind of had to gradually temper expectations with him, right? I think that's the big thing. You know, you mentioned his loss to Sora. It's not a bad loss. Sora's really good. But what we were talking about a couple years ago was Axe's top five in the world. Um, and it really doesn't seem like he is going to be there. I agree with that. And I think it's something we've talked about this entire time, right? It's the depth of the the field. We have seen an incredible like amount of people who are able to, I mean, to throw like you know Genesis. If I made a top twenty after Genesis, I would probably have to change it immediately after when Pound happened. And you know, Function's probably going to switch things up. And some, it's, the way that the like the field is so strong. 
uh, I mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago, only a few years ago in 2016, where we like putting people in the top 10 for people who didn't have God wins. The people, Shroom didn't have a win on the top six, and he was 10th. Uh, and it's insane to me right now that a player, you could have a player who would be top 10 in the world who is not able to punch up against the top. Uh, and I think that's Axe's issue right now is that a lot of these players who we're talking about, right, uh, you, if you call him top 20, you're putting him in the same category as, like, none or, you know, I think Lod's top 10, but or, like, Polish or like, there's a lot of really, really good players. Fiction, you know. Aklo. Um, yeah, great Aklo, example. Absolutely. Um, and you're like, well, Kent, does Axe have the same, uh, ability to punch up that these players do? And the answer is probably no. I would feel comfortable saying he's about as good as Slug. Slug, I think someone who can make a deep bracket run, um, he did it, right? He fucking got ninth at Genesis. Um, but is probably going to be a person who I would never make a big bet that Slug's going to make a huge run at any tournament if I don't see his bracket, kind of feel the same way about uh, Axe. I don't know. I think Axe probably has a better ability to to beat, you know, like take a set off Zane or maybe, you know, squeeze one off of Leffen or something. Um, but I still put them in kind of the same category. Nico, what do you what do you think about this? I don't know if you have any thoughts on Axe or if you watched his run this past weekend. Um, yeah, I, I feel like for me, I wouldn't categorize it as like he can't punch up but i think he can't compete with the field and people lower um like particularly like i think his records with like 20 to 30 30 to 40 40 to 60 or something like that is worse than what i think his record would be with top 10 compared to others in his field because i think that there's like a trend sometimes um i, I think a, a trend of like older school players that kind of fall off a little bit is that they retain their same like player-to-player -player knowledge that they can still keep up with other people. So that's why I'm not af afraid of Axe beating Mango, Wizzy. All right, um, you've convinced me. <laughs> Zane, that type of thing. But here's the thing. Now we have way more Peaches in the meta. Mm -hmm. We have way more Campy Foxes. Mm -hmm. We have um, a ton of Chic players. And I think that's not a great draw for Pikachu. I feel like Pikachu has always had rough matchups, but I think we had more spacey, dominant uh, metas in a way that like favored acts especially when he was on top of his game but now it's a mix of other matchups that are throwing acts off plus the spaces like he's a little off his game so the spaces aren't as strong so it's like mm. i think his what i think he could do on the top 10 is like fine for a player of like a top 20 to 30 caliber maybe like in the better of his like field or whatever but like you know you run into you know lot or mog or trip or something like that or you run into like two saint or there's just a, a lot of like stops along the way like if he ever gets to winner's quarters i feel good about his shot um yeah but he can't get there he's always had these obstacles but i think you're right i think the the obstacles are not only still there but there is more of them than there were before uh we definitely made like a a like a, a fake bracket uh on an episode before where we talked about you know maybe he gets uh zamu into ginger into amsta into zane and that's like a reliable path to winners finals i definitely think that we can see axe make a, a large bracket run again but i think he is a player who's in that tier where i would have to worry about his bracket luck and that's maybe someone who i if i look at fiction who i think is a top 15 to 20 player maybe someone who i'm not as worried about when it comes to bracket luck edwin what do you think 
I'm going to make a really strange comparison with Axe right now. And uh, I, I think I've made this comparison on the show before, so it shouldn't be too out of left field. I think Axe... Um, so one thing really quick I'll note before I get into this comparison. We did see Axe uh, play another character other than Pikachu this weekend. Yeah. When he tried out Fox for a bit against Palpa. Seemed pretty good for, like, I mean, clearly not the same level of his Pikachu level of comfortable, but his Fox seemed pretty solid. And I'm going to bring up uh, Axe in comparison right now to to Swift, who I think has made the, like, he's he's strangely made the Pikachu slash Fox a uh, co-maining thing or whatever fairly viable because, like, whatever uh, whatever calculus he, he Swift is using, and let's be clear, I don't think Swift is that far off from Axe right now in terms of, like, his results or yeah. where he would be in a you know, at a hypothetical super major. I think Swift is very, like, I, I, I mean, I'd have to look at the, the field to say really for sure, but like, I view, if we're, I'm down to call Swift like a top 30 player, right? And I, and I think like one thing you'll note with Swift is like, he has a plan with this characters, right? He's like, I'm going against Fox against Peach. I'm going to do Fox against Puff. I'm going to keep Pikachu again. I'm going to keep Pikachu against Fox, Falco, Marth, and Falcon. Now I'm going to go Fox against Samus and all. ICs and all this stuff, right? He is committed to this plan, right? And we're seeing it pay dividends for for um, for Swift for the most part, right? With Axe, we've seen him experiment with characters, but whatever whatever decision making calculus he, he he has to like you know come to that final decision of whether he goes Pikachu or Falco or Fox or Young Link or whatever, it doesn't seem quite as like committed, or it doesn't seem as structured as Swift's, right? And I think that. You know, moving forward, I know Axe feels very strongly about Pikachu and wanting to only play Pikachu and to view himself as a Pikachu main and whatnot. But, you know, whether or not he can do it, I, I, I do think that it's it's kind of something interesting to bring up, right, in terms of, like, Axe's general approach, sticking with the game plan, knowing what to expect, Um I think he could, you know, whether he wants to take a look at what Swift is doing and say, you know what, actually, no, I don't want to do that. I want to go only Pikachu. I think it's, I think it's worth, uh, I think it's worth examining. I don't know. I should say, I'm going to do the little fun thing where I come in. Um, I should say that, that Swift did place below Axe at uh, Pound. Mm -hmm. I think that was the only tournament they both went to. Um, I, I, Swift is a fun comparison because they're both, right, it's going to happen. This Swift is the only Pikachu that we've seen of this level since uh, Rory, right? <laughs> All the way back in MLG <laughs> days. It's, yeah, it's been a long time yeah. since we had to really go far back to pull a Pikachu who is before, not X. That's, yeah, that's like even before MLG. Like, you're, you're talking yeah, about Rory. Yeah, we gotta like... go to Pikachad, dude. That's my dog. I love <laughs> Pikachad. Pikachad, yes. Pikachad, 77th on both of uh, his lists. Mm -hmm. He was one of those people who just had the same exact placing. Um, no, but like, it's been a while since we've had another Pikachu who we can call top 30. Um, so I think the similarities are going to, like comparisons are going to happen, whether or not the similarities are there. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Um, I don't know if Axe's like, plan or you know, if game plan is going to be going more characters, if it should be going more characters. Um, I probably still have faith in him doing pretty well this year but yeah I, I feel like our expectations for axe were a top 10 player we're a top five player at one point and now we're like yeah axe makes sense if he makes top 25 um 
So we'll see. I, I definitely think that uh, Tyler is a very interesting person. Obviously, a great summit performance from him. He was, uh, he he had those uh, he had that set win, um, made everyone at the summit have a set win, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be interesting to see him at function. But um, let's let's go on. Let's talk about summit. You know, we mentioned that class uh, with Swift in it. That was a really interesting class. It had a couple people who were not top one hundred ever. Swift. It had Null. Um, and we're coming into the second only summit that has had multiple people who were never top 100. I believe, I think the only one that had it before was Yingling at 11. So this is kind of a really relatively recent thing. Usually all the players who made it into summit were like mainstays of the top 100. Uh, and luckily, and recently, we've been seeing kind of an influx of uh, players who I wouldn't want to say are lower skilled, right? Because all these players are super good and in a normal year. A lot of these players would have been top 100. But we've been seeing people who are getting in without the means of having these, like the, the same resume as people have used to in the past. Um, so we had Dark Genicon last week, and obviously we talked a lot about Summit. We talked about what it means to get in and all that his plan and everything. Um, and we've been talking about the fact that this Summit, the, the voting process, was a little bit lighter than it was in years past. Not a lot of people opting in. I think, you know, people say the merch uh, was not as good as it was in years past. People also say that Genesis being the, the date when the shop opened uh, and, and like campaigning or voting started uh, was hard for a lot of people who were traveling right from Genesis. Um, but regardless, we are looking at a, a kind of an interesting summit lineup here. So let's just go over really quickly who we have. Uh, last week when we went over it, Dark Genix and Sora had just made it. In the interim, Kodoran, Frenzy made it, and then the last day was Salt, and then Indiana's best player, Blue. Mm. Is he still Indiana's best player, Edwin? Yeah, yeah, I, I think he's the I think he's the best right now. I uh, a, a bit ago I checked their PR, and he was number two behind uh, HPR or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I I think very good Blue, Falco. Yeah, he no. he is very good. But I think I think Blue is number one now. Yes. Uh, so. It's a bit of an interesting thing, and, and I want to say before this that I do like all these players, and this is a this is a really fun summit. Um, but it is like at, we're at the point where this is not what it was before. Um, okay. We talked about last week. We talked about well, what do you do? Do you make summit once a year? I I don't think that's a really good idea. Like how does summit change this? Um, but I guess like the question is, does summit need to change this? We talked about this last week, but but Nico, what are your thoughts on this as someone who made summit? Like, uh, how do you feel about the the pool of players? Is it's both getting broader, um, but also the is the talent level changing at all? Um. So I definitely agree that you know the 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 competition is way lighter. Um, obviously, I think a lot of people have complained uh, a bit about the VIP uh, way of getting in, which is essentially if you just know forty people who have $1,000, then you can leverage that to kind of turn it into something. Um, I think that, I don't know what's the most cost effective for Summit in terms of growth, because I wonder if, you know, I, I will say that, you know, like skill aside from the people who are in the in Summit right now, I don't even think the people who are in Summit have the craziest following or anything like that, or bring any like, big brand image or something like that um or you know some type of content like i think justin has something but um definitely like you know the exception 
um, there. So I wonder if like the, I personally think that the viewership for this summit is probably going to be a bit lower because of stuff like this. Um, I think it's kind of losing a little bit of prestige. It's losing a little bit of like, you know, this is supposed to be the pooling of all the, 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 the world's greatest melee players and like two people who never got to travel and more so like, you know, it's like 10 people who are like pretty good um because also i mean the other thing is that even through the qualifiers i think it's even less stacked because you qualify but then you know if there's a dq in the bracket whoever has that dq path is another person who gets in who maybe isn't as strong as you know a past summit um so i think it's an overall weaker summit on many fronts um and so i don't know what they really value necessarily um if they want it to be more content oriented or if they want it to be more skill oriented um, but I think the current formula is not great. Um, I think there, there has to be something that we can do that either maximizes skill or maximizes content. Cause I feel like it's not doing either of those things with the players that get in. Like, I think it's just kind of like taking the money up, like upfront on the VIPs, but I, you know, maybe, I don't know, like they're. I don't know what the checkbook looks like in terms of like, okay, like this is yeah. actually way more lucrative to take $40,000 than it is to do these other things. But that's a question for, you know, I guess the bigger stuff. I don't know what you guys think about that, but that's kind of my interpretation. Okay, we're, Edwin and I are having a standoff. I guess I'll speak. Uh, you know, a lot of what you said is very interesting. And I think you're right in some ways. Um, it definitely comes down to a balancing act for BTS if they decide you know, th this is a very good way to make revenue, right? Have $40,000 a year, <laughs> an event, not even a year. Um, it's a very good way to not go in the red for your event mm -hmm. um, and continue to pay the people who put on this like great event, right? Disagree with the idea of what Summit is, right? You mentioned how Summit is the, that's the big one where everyone looks forward to it. It's this gathering of all these great players. I think that that's true in a way, and I do think that, Maybe we don't. Maybe if you made a top ten, not all the top tens here, and I think it was like that for Summit Twelve. But for the most part, I think we're. It's always been this thing, right? Summit since it started. Kage was in the first one. Kage's great, but he was not top ten. Um, Alex Nineteen was in the first one, right? Esam made it to the second one. Like we've seen a lot of great players, but in terms of uh, like this is the event with sixteen best players. If they wanted that, then they would have just invited 16 players. That's how I've always viewed Summit, through the Yingling picks and the Dark Genic stuff, right? All of it. Um, it's kind of according to plan. And I'm kind of torn because I do think that there should be a change to the system, right? People should want to get into Summit. Because um, I know a lot of people that are like, all right, I'm going to try to qualify through Genesis. And if I don't get in, I'm not doing anything. And if that's what people feel like, then the system must be broken. But what we've got to see from this, Dark Genix, this is his first summit. Blue, obviously, his first summit. Salt, his first summit. Kadorn, his first summit as a Vodin. I believe he's made it through qualifiers uh, and as a backup for Pip when Pip was not even making Summit 11. Uh, and Frenzy at his first one. The only person here who's been voted in more than once is Sora. Do you guys remember all the summits we used to have where we'd be like, there's one new Vodin, and it's five people who we already have seen? Oh, yeah, it's like, and yeah. here comes S2J for the seventh time. <laughs> it was, it's fun, right? And and mm -hmm. I can't say one song's better than the other. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. And I, I do kind of want to say, with these qualifiers, I don't know if we saw anyone who I wouldn't say is top 15, right? 
Pipsqueak was already invited because he, uh, the, the whole Summit shenanigans before, but Summit 11, right? He was invited to this one. Um, but we saw, we see Zane, uh, who, who else? It's Pluff, uh, Leffin, Mango, right? There's all these great players. Um, Hbox ended up making it in through there. Amsa would have made it in through Genesis. Uh, we have Nun, who I think is a top 15 player right now. Lod, who I think is a top 10 player. We've got all these people who are really, really good. And honestly, if you were to invite 10 people, I don't think Lod necessarily made it by the time they had to like do all, like get all the uh, mm-hmm. you know flights ready. Uh, and if you had to vote in, I don't think Lod's getting in at all. So I don't know. It's interesting, right? We're, we're at a point where I want to say something has to change, um, but I might not... As to what needs to change, uh, I might disagree on some fronts. Edwin, what do you think? Uh, I think talking. So first off, I I think you put a ton of what I was about to say like into great into great points. I think we uh, spent too much time together. We don't disagree with each other. Yeah, but it's like the most agreeing podcast ever. I know it's very weird. I, I I actually I'm like trying my hardest to find something else to say, but you pretty. But okay, here's what I will say. Okay. I think when we talk about like what will make the event exciting and you know like we'll, we'll start, like is this going to have higher viewership or lower viewership this is the only part uh, i'll contest i think for pretty strongly from what what nico brought up and i i think it would be the fact that like you know the the kind of stuff that goes into it like are we going to really be thinking about this if like i i mean i don't think this would happen but the way things are trending right now but like if mango makes a deep top eight run and we see like an amazing mango zane set or like a or even a mango cody or even zane to be thinking about this we're going to be thinking oh my god melee is so awesome this smash summit grand finals or this top eight is incredible if we see a jmook run there we see zane jmook part two or we see jmook leffen all these things that we're thinking about of you know like is there is there diminished interest in, in campaigning for summit if you don't get in through qualifying? If the skits are good, if the melee is good, if the the quality of the event itself is worth it. I think first off, I love Blue. I think he'll be a great addition to the event, even though he he is definitely the clear outlier and kind of underdog player at the event. I think Justin will be an incredible value add, not just through you know being fun to watch, but I think his like commentary will be excellent mm-hmm. on sets. I think his skit potential is really good. I, I just think that, like, a lot of this, we're, we're thinking about it now in terms of, like, what we might have been used to seeing or this preconceived notion of what we, we should expect to see. But I'm but I really think by the end of it, like, you know, Summit has a way of being, like, quite memorable. And especially, like, the last uh, the last two Summits we've had have been pretty excellent about it. I think Smash, Summit 10 Online, even even that was, like, pre- pretty solid as, like, a pandemic uh era summit with mango zane grand finals summit nine we got to see a lot of games of hbox plup and we got to see a lot of like great top eight sets between like involving mango plup and zane and whatnot like at the end of the day i really think that's like that's the kind of thing like those things the the content the quality of the event itself we're going to be remembering that a lot more uh like in in the future and by the end of the event then we'll then we'll be thinking about questions like you know is is Moki, you know, could Moki have made it? Would this may have been like a more like legit event if Amsa was there or whatnot? I really think that like the the kind of product that's brought to the that's brought to the stream, the experience for all the players there, the you know the positive exposure that or the positive impact that this has on the community overall. I really think it'll it'll dwarf 
uh, a lot of these things. So while I, I understand kind of like the, you know, the, the interesting questions that pop up as a result of, you know, maybe Summit not having 16 top 30 players or so, or even, or even 13 or 14 or whatever, I think at the end of the day, like, you know, it, it is melee where the, whether or not the event is good or whether or not the, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to watch. I think it's, it's important to recognize that, you know, at the, at the end of it, there's so many other factors too that go into it. And, and frankly, I think Salt, Frenzy, uh, I think Pip also as well, Sora, I think a lot of them ha have potential to, even if they don't make deep top eight runs, I think they'll give us a lot of like really exciting sets against players that they otherwise wouldn't get a chance to play against. And I think that that's kind of like one of the really, uh, like historically one of the coolest things about Summit too, right? Like seeing seeing matchups that you otherwise wouldn't normally see and having a bunch of them all all come out once. Well, how about this? I've got a question for both of you. Edwin, I'll ask you first, just because uh, you were just talking about this. What needs to be changed for Summit 14, right? We are we are looking at Summit 13. Uh, we talk about it's good, right? The product is still good. There's there's no change to it. But when you're an art, when you're a, an organization like BTS, when you are as good as you are at what they do, um, they tend to think in terms of like, let's stop the problem before it's a problem, right? Um, Right now, some it's still great. Some everyone wants to watch it. Still, it's still an event that people care about deeply. I, I think, like uh, you know, on the level of maybe not Genesis exactly, but on the level of like a big house or a, a more probably even more than like main stage or shine. Right? People want to watch Summit, want to win a Summit. Before it becomes a problem, what do you change for Summit 14? What changes are made to the voting? What changes are made to the eligibility? Like what changes, if any, happen in your mind? Uh, I, I think something that could be done is that the like maybe maybe is something regarding like VIPs like limiting limiting passes that one person can buy for a VIP for a VIP slot or like if you buy a VIP you have. Well, to I believe it is currently limited to one. Wait, what? Limited you, to one VIP per person. Oh, oh no! Yeah, I, maybe you have to declare total. maybe you have to declare who you're you're voting for ahead of time or something so you can't buy the like people's. I have an idea if you don't mind me chiming in. If well, yeah, I mean the question is going to be asked to you anyway, so go ahead. Yeah, just because we're on the topic of VIPs, it just hit me as you asked it because like you know you guys are making all these good points. I'm like, damn, you know, I'm just pretty <laughs> straightforward. I don't know what to do, but then it hit me. Here's what we do: don't VIPs get no votes at all. Mm -hmm. just no votes because i've heard that i've heard that idea and you know what it still sells because you're That's still going exactly to summit was, yeah that is exactly what i was thinking because i was like could i just do that i'm like yes because you're going to summit so i think what we do is like uh there's like a spending limit of 50 or something or some spending limit i mean 100 is fine a couple hundred is fine um where you can't just whale it in or whatever mm -hmm. at, or like just limit the amount where like a couple of people decide who the fan favorite is but you can still give the vip because they get an insane value um and then just kind of what i care about more is that if if we're gonna have vote-ins i mean look I, I definitely agree with you guys in terms of like you know it won't overall impact the viewership of the event i was a little naive about like you know how much i saw that but i guess i'm thinking about it as like could the viewership get higher based on who gets voted in mm -hmm. um and I think that answer is still yes, based on yeah. who gets in, because, you know, it's just a couple people paying. But if we want to keep the money in and it's more of a fan vote in, then whoever the fan vote in, then you have way more individual people tuning in for 
certain um, audiences. And I think that improves the viewership. You keep the $40,000. And then it also just gives people who are tuning into Summit and like, uh, you know, trying to add value to, to their player, like they have more reason to get in. Because I, I imagine it kind of goes even deeper where it's just like, not only do you not get Moki in, but you have a bunch of people who would have spent money had they, could they have spent it on Moki? Because, you know, let's say Moki's one of the more viewed players. Like there's a ton of people who would have paid, but just won't um, because it's just a couple of people spending that money. So you can get both, I think, if you if you kind of run that rule. Maybe, that's just off the top of my head. Nico, I think that's a fantastic suggestion. I do want to ask you one thing really quickly though, okay? And I brought this up in last week's show. Do you think the the dread that potential campaigners felt when they learned that Dark Gen X was running was enough to dissuade them? And that maybe in a Dark Gen X free summit uh, you know, nomination pool that mm -hmm. someone like say S2J would have been more open to campaigning knowing that he did not have to he would not have to compete with Dark Gen X. Um, I mean I think Dark Gen X he highlighted the problem, but he he wouldn't be the only one to take advantage of it because all you need to do, you don't need to be wealthy. You just need to know the people who are going to get the VIP spots. Um, and whoever that is, and the, I think the scary thing is, is that I think Dark Gen X made it very clear he was going to be that guy. But mm. you, the other scary thing is that you can never know who that guy is going to be. You know, like what does S2J know about how far Blue's Rich Red yeah. Group goes? You know, so it's just, it's too risky to try. Um, because you raise all this money for your community and then that happens. But I wouldn't say it's particularly Justin. I mean, Justin having some money to do it, I think, you know, adds to the fear, but also the unknown adds to the fear. Just like, I don't know who the rich guy is going to be. So do I know a rich guy? No. Okay. I will not do it. Yeah. He was on the show. He talked about how there, he, he kind of cited the combination of him getting in was basically, you know, like, it was a non-factor. He was going to get in uh, with the way that he was doing it. Um, he kind of cited that as a reason why people might be turned off. You know, there was the thing about campaigning. If you had, to, if you want to campaign, voting would start probably while you were flying back from Genesis, right? It starts that Monday. Um, merch shop is a great. I mean, there's a couple different answers he gave, but one interesting one was um, it was kind of seemed egalitarian in a way, where he was like, "All right, you ran." Um, do you want to run this time? I'll run. If you, hey, if no one's running, I'll do it. it. Seemed like very, you know, nice to. We're in the thirteenth iteration of this, and people are like, I already went there. You know, you can take your turn. Uh, we kind of saw that all the way back with Europe. Do you remember when like the idea of Europe sending more than one person was unthinkable? So they were like mm -hmm. fighting. They're like, no, I, I'm gonna get in this time. Like you gotta. <laughs> So, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I definitely think there are some ways to do it. Um, I agree. Nico, I think that's a great idea. You know, having no votes for that. How many people who are already going to spend $1,000 are not going to spend $1,000 on it because they don't get any votes? It's not really a make or break if you're already that far in it. Um, but it's something interesting. I wonder if there's, like, a, a way that maybe voting could scale. Um, maybe your first $5 gets you more votes than your, you know, than the $5 you spend for like $5,005, right? Um, there, there could be a difference there. I, I think that uh, when it first started, I, there was more of a focus. You know, maybe this is me. This is personal. I, I think there was more focus on the points that you already got, right? It was like, oh, I mm. entered a couple tournaments. Yeah, like I did the, 
I've already got it because of points. Who wants my 300 votes, right? Definitely felt like it was more of a thing where it was a group of people. It was bigger groups of people as opposed to like smaller groups who are more willing to spend money. Um, I don't know. I, I think Summit will be able to figure this out. I've been saying this the entire time is that I do trust BTS. Yeah. BTS has always been someone or like someone. <laughs> corporations are people. <laughs> BTS has always been um, like an organization where if something's going wrong, they will fix it. I, I trust them to happen, right? It might happen once or twice at a summit. Um, but if you look at even what we're running right now, right? The gauntlet phase, they, um, it's not the original gauntlet phase that they run. They ran this, I want to say summit 11 was the first one. Um, and then they changed it for ultimate summit three or whatever. Uh, and then they were like, okay, never mind. This works better, right? They are, they are trying to fine tune their product. And I don't think it's uh, the company that rests on their laurels. I think it's always someone who's like, okay, you know, what can we do now? What can we do better? Um, and considering how people are talking about voting, how you know, like entrenched in the community they are, I think that there's going to be some change. I wouldn't be surprised. But we're talking about uh, an event with a lot of stacked people. Uh, let's talk about another stacked event. Is this a major? Is this a regional? Is it a national? What is a national? Hmm. Edwin, what do you think? Is it a, what, a micro major? I'll tell you what, I think this might be the most stacked regional pound for pound, uh, pun intended, like ever. I think the average entrant at this event is unusually good at I don't know if that was a good, what's the pun there? Pound is also a tournament? Pound was, yeah, that, that was, that was be really a major, good. but a regional. It doesn't really have anything, to, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, like it. I really don't know why it got as stacked as it did. I don't know what the fuck happened. Um, it like, I think it was just like a, a, a combination of, okay. I, I mean, everyone has said tri-state runs deep for a bit. Um, I think that the fact that like summit is happening and not a lot of people wanted to go to summit is one half. And then the other half is like summit practice. Mm -hmm. um i think i don't know i i think with locals right now like i think there is a bigger density of top players in locals generally because i think that slippy kids are you know they, they get a little like you know cold feet going in person still you know so trying to make friends and stuff like that a lot of them have these you know only noobs tournaments and tired about two so a lot of the people that like go to tournaments these days i think are on average um the the more ranked players i would say um but yeah this is this is unusually uh stacked even with all those factors considered it, it still kind of kind of weirds me out i don't know why <laughs> it even is this stacked like warrior knight really is 77 that's insane by the way and it's like willie p is like 83 he's just like what dude nico i'm going to uh I'm going to say a term that i have begun to say a lot on this show I think uh, I've said it for the past like three episodes, but we are in a buyer's market. When I... What that means is that, you know, it, throwing a melee tournament does not get people there alone. Melee itself is not going to be the only thing that brings people to, you know, bump up nowhere so that you can play best of three in a sweaty place. This is, sorry, I, I know I said that Pound was hot. I'm not comparing it to there. Yeah. I know that. It does seem like the shoe fits a little bit, but I'm, I'm just like a lot of places, right? Um, you're you're gonna have different 
uh, attendance than you would in 2016 because the way that we play the game is so different. Um, and also the world's different since then. But uh, I think that one thing is, is that you need to give a good attending experience. Uh, and I think there's a lot of ways to do that. And I think you're selling yourself short. Everything I've heard about Function 1, everything I've heard about NYC Melee in general, all the nightclubs, I, I think that it's doing a great job at selling the attendee experience. And, you know, we are in a, uh, in a time where there are certain things that people will legitimately, you know, maybe just not go to a major for, right? If they're like, oh, we're going to run, you know, non-frozen stadia, people are like, okay, well, I could go to this major or I could, uh, like, wait. I could just play Slippy this weekend instead mm-hmm. and then go to a different major that I care about more, right? Um, so I think that you, you've you got a good little thing going there. But, yeah, let's let's talk about function because even back uh, in January, right, that was stacked. Yeah. We've seen a couple changes since then, but I think this is really a stacked event. Um, tell me about how this came about because I know function one was a much smaller event. I think it was, it was all, like, you know, mainly tri-state people. Right. Um, okay, so function one, like you said, mainly tri-state people. Um, and I think we um, – we weren't trying to expand it necessarily. Um, we just got very lucky with this particular thing that happened where um, if anyone, a lot of people came up to me and they're like, you're really gonna run 200 people in this in this space? Like it's gonna be cramped. I'm like, well, there's this like extra additional space that's right next door that can fit like 24 setups that is a free venue space to use um, just because it hasn't been rented yet. Funnily enough, will be rented the week after function. So we got very lucky. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, super sick. We obviously had to pay out of pocket for, you know, tables and chairs and that type of thing. But like, you know, $800 or I don't know, maybe like $600 for all that stuff versus the usual venue price of $10,000 for the day um, at NYC. Um, So we got lucky with that. Um, And the other thing is, I think, honestly, I think the big thing that made function really big obviously we did uh try to fly out some people and we confirmed some other good players and i think that built it up but to to you know i guess focus on the point of like why do people want to go to this event i think like nightclub branding is just really good like you said in terms of like the what are the non like competing factors i think one thing that like new york city does really well and i was just talking about it a little bit on radio melee and i I always bring it up because I know people have like certain feelings about um, crowds in Melee, but I think NYC is like, they view not only like the tournament as like, okay, I'm going to compete, but I'm also going to spectate other people competing and make that fun. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I know you guys haven't been to a nightclub before, but like when, once it gets around like winter's quarters time, like there's just a mass of 20 to 40 to 50 people with, you know, drinks in their hands and they're side betting on everybody. You know, it's Mott Money versus Just Jason, which, you know, maybe seems boring to a lot of people. But for us, it's like New Jersey versus New York. And then I'm yeah. side betting and we're screaming at the top of our lungs on a Wednesday night. And it's just very crazy. And I think um, of many people in um, in Melee, I use Twitter a lot and I'm very good at using Twitter. I, I'm on it all the time. I think I, I really got like, um, you know, just social media savvy. So when I got into the position of like head TO of NYC Melee, creating a Twitter account was just like right up my alley to the point where Epic, everyone has seen the tweets I made and the posts I made about all the things that nightclub does and like a easy to digest and easy to build a narrative around way that they're just like, wow, this looks like really cool. So like the top players came in and then they're like, okay, I know what they usually turn that into narrative wise and in like a social way. Like 
I'm going to go for that reason. So it's like, I guess I, I said a lot of things, but to summarize it, it's like we got access to a space that finally allowed us to expand, like how many entrants we could have. And I think week by week with nightclub and nightclub VIP and all the things we've done for NYC Melee, the branding online just makes people want to go. Like it looks very cool online, yeah. I think. Definitely something I'm not able to go. But uh, mm. it's just like, dude, those are the events, right? The ones where you can't go and like you, it really hurt, hits you there. Like you really care. Like that's that's how you know that the branding's working. Cause like, dude, I wish I could just you know, get on a train, get up there. But unfortunately, I got something going on. Yeah, no, I, I think that what's being created is really special. I've talked to Blur about this um, in person. <laughs> I don't, I can't differentiate between online and in person anymore. Uh, where's <laughs> the, where's the scar quote about like, are, what's more yeah, real? Are we the real? Yeah. But I believe this was in person. Um, we were talking about the idea of like, like majors basically, right? How to build this sort of brand of a major. Um, and there's definitely stuff that tries to take shortcuts, right? Uh, look, I'll say it. GTX super fun. I liked watching it um but it's definitely a brand that tried to buy their way into a super major status and worked for the first time uh and then when the money when they stopped putting up all this money right people stopped going it became uh a really you know i would say a major probably didn't get to super major level even though it had a lot of people from the uh from the top echelon of play uh and then the next year it's like uh regional and the year after that it's kind of like a big local yeah. um so that's kind of what happens when you try to build something top down but you have tournaments look at all the terms that we have right now that are big most of them have started in like pretty humble roots right battle of bc Do you, like does anyone really remember what happened there the first big house right that was just a really tiny thing um full bloom obviously is not running this year as far as i know it's not been announced and usually that happened in march but what we was completely different than what we saw at end as like these these events you know they work their way through their branding so i think something like the function function one obviously starting um kind of smaller and then you're working in tandem with also this local scene so it's not only oh i watched the function i want to go to function two it's i watch the function and then i watch the nightclub every weekend <laughs> or every right. week and now i want to go yeah it's definitely it's a yeah, I mean, it's it's just like, uh, it's like, I want to go to a New York City event, right? Like a NYC Melee mm -hmm. thing, right? Like, it's so, uh, it's so organically uh, built into the, you know, the fabric of the scene and what, what people come to expect. Like, frankly, I've been to, a, I, I've been to a, a good amount of New York tournaments before. And I, I can honestly say that even when I was at, like, back when it was around Nebulous, even if there was no, like, uh, there was no top level talent, there was kind of, there's like a magic in the air being a nebulous, right? Yeah. This is like I know nebulous. Even when even when no one is there, like this is this is a New York City event, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like New York has had that for a while, and I and I feel like you guys have done a really good job of like maintaining that and kind of bringing in this a whole new era of new players as well. I can say that from a spectator standpoint, that's one thing I'm really excited about with with regards to the function. I'm really excited to see how a lot of these players that we've We've seen like be some of New York City stars over the last like uh, last three years or so like take on a lot of like the rising talent of uh, 
of like the current generation of players. Uh, we, we talked a lot about like Tri-State being a big reason for why this mm-hmm. event is so stacked. We're, I mean, we're seeing even like Canada come out. So like we yeah. can see yeah. something like, you could see something like, uh, I mean, I don't know why this is exciting. This is like randomly exciting to me, but like we could see Just Jason versus like Zuppy or something, right? Yeah. Like we could see, we could see Sora take on, uh, we could see Sora take on like Captain Smuckers, right? Like I think mm-hmm. there's so many matchups and, and like, now all of that will be baked into like New York City, right? Like yeah. it's not just the players' lore or like the players like themselves that are going to benefit from this. Like I'm going to be, or like if, if you're at the function, like you're going to be at the spot. You're like the sets that happen there are going to be all part of like New York City, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we we've talked about this before, right? This like bottom up uh, idea of. Uh, of like how to build a good community and like how to run a good tournament series. Uh, we love bringing up the the uh, buyer's market thing. We we talked about this with Yingling, right? Buyer's market with Yingling, but I've used Yingling. it in every episode since. I am addicted That's, to the term for some reason. Yeah, but there was something Yingling said, right? More importantly, he said about like no matter who his attendee is, he wants them to have a story at his tournaments mm-hmm. that they feel like invested in that has like a resolution or whatever, right? I feel right. like New York City, you guys are so, oh, I, I mean, like, it, it sounds so stupid, right? Like, you guys are so good at setting a story for your events, right? But mm-hmm. I, I really feel like, uh, I, I really feel like that's one of the big things of function and just like New York events in general. Like, it, it has all this like, really cool, like, you know, cast, a, I mean, I don't want to say cast because they're just like normal, normal. <laughs> yeah. Right? But, but it's got, like, memorable personalities, like, from the players, the TOs, the commentators to an extent as well. I just feel like the region's done a really good job of, like, honing its talent in all these different areas and, uh, like, bringing it together and bringing in all this, like, outside talent as well. And yeah. now we'll associate that with New York. Yeah, I'm I'm super thankful for it. I think uh, I, I think you guys hit on the nail on the head with it's just, like, the top down thing, because I guess I didn't consider it too, where it's just like the narrative of like, you know, all these people that you saw in the nightclub that, you know, through like week by week, little by little, you kind of built interest in and support and all that stuff. Now they're taking on the national people that you've never seen them play. Like, you know, whiskers, just Jason smuckers versus Moki Sora, all that stuff. And it's like, Oh wow. I get to see the, the payoff of watching the nightclub all these weeks. I get to see him on the big stage. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super, I, I, one thing I really, I guess I'll save this, the more detailed stuff for, I guess, maybe the next section, but like, I really tried to give everyone a hat, particularly like, you know, mm-hmm. like everyone who was very passionate about commentary, I'm like, just let's do it. Let's build you up. You know, let's work on it. New TOs, new players, all that stuff. Like just allowing people to like, just like I, as a TO, I feel like my role is to just like, like one as a TO and two is like someone who's been playing for 10 years and has seen how the scene works and what's valued and what can like work is just to see all these skill sets and just like, how do I bring them up? Um, and less about, you know, me running the bracket. Like, I think that's a, obviously that's a part, but that's not what I would say. I'm, like, you know, there's people for that, that I think are amazing, like a 10 dude or something. But um, I did also want to point on the idea of like the interesting thing of like New York versus the world type of idea, because um, one thing I think that function is very different at is the size of the tournament. Um, obviously, you know, I think a lot of people know, you know, blah, 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 NYC is like a cool place to be and it's stacked and all that stuff. But if you think about the biggest New York City event of all time, 
it's actually pretty small. It's Zenith 2014 with 280 entrants. Um, and the reason for that is um, one, just getting a sufficient amount of outer region people to the event. And two, our venue fees are so ridiculous that it's yeah. been impossible to book a venue. Um, so I think like there've been lots of times that uh, New York City has gotten up to the like boiling point of like, okay, when's it gonna explode? We built up the local narratives, we built up all the local people, like when are they gonna like make a splash? And we just never get that splash because Nintendo or venues being too pricey or venues closing down or something like that. Um, all these different things. And I think this is the first time where it's like, okay, this is actually gonna happen. Like all the New York locals are gonna see the big people, um, I think is important. Yeah, no, I, I think we're definitely seeing that. Um, I want to mention one thing before we actually talk about we, we've been, right, right. We, we've been talking about all this talent, all how good they are. Want to actually get into their their brackets, how it's going to look, what's going to go, some predictions for that. Uh, but before we do that, Edwin, I, I think we gotta um, we gotta take a break or something. Me and you. I mentioned buyers market on every episode. Every episode, you talk about how Yingling says, you know, he wants to give everyone a story. We have been saying the same things. We repeat the same things every week. Uh, my need, my idea. Andy to come in. <laughs> I'm saying we get SF in. Let's get the intern in. Let's, <laughs> Ambi, we talked to Ambi too much. He's he thinks the same as we do. Hmm. Uh, we need SF in. SF's gonna run our summit episode. He's gonna just like real trial by fire. Throw him in. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, we'll, we'll, what we'll do is we maybe just need to stop talking outside the show, and then we'll like not repeat ourselves like a cartoon character. Uh, Dude, I feel the same way because uh, me and JoJo are the same way. So anytime he posts anything on Twitter, I'm like, he's just saying a summary of our Discord call. <laughs> <Every time. laughs> it is, yeah, it's really funny. I love Edwin. I love Ambi. We talk every single day, <laughs> and uh, getting into getting into these shows is very funny because it's just like, yeah, I feel like this is just all that we say, like on Discord. Um, I think what uh, it was small tangent walton radar said that they really don't talk besides the mix-up but i'm like that's so funny i could not imagine <laughs> I'd like, don't talk to edwin yeah. i only talked to him for two hours a week or something like that's <laughs> yeah, cool. when, when they told us that it was the most wild thing i was like what how <laughs> yeah uh but here let's let's back this up let's yeah let's try to get this back on track so obviously we talked about the depth of talent the talent that you see every week on nightclub and that's part of why something like functions fun let's actually get into this actual talent because we have been talking about it for a little bit but this is a stacked event we keep saying how stacked it is without actually talking about who's here Uh, (laughs) yeah this is a really interesting event to me because we make the jokes about yeah is it a major is it a regional we really have not seen an event like this in a little bit because a lot of players are not very keen on entering events where they're set to win right it's a Mm -hmm. lot of like oh i'll only go if x top player goes uh, I'll hey I'll if Mango's going I'll go if Zane's going I'll show up. Um, we definitely haven't had a lot of these events recently because back in, in the day you'd see like a tournament and it's like Plup and then the second seed is KJH and then the third <laughs> seed is some guy who's really good on their local PR. It's, it's oh, just yeah. like there, no, there's yeah, a lot of those like, events. We put all our money into the biggest guy and like wait a minute. I think he's just going to 3 everyone we love and care about as people. I, For what it's worth, I definitely intentionally, like when we were picking players to like fly out, I tried to pick people that were not, like I didn't want like a mango at this. I wanted someone who would be competitive with Aklov, not someone who would wash him 
and not someone who Aqua would watch, you know? I think that makes for the interesting sense. So also just a little thing for Tio's, don't spend too much money. If, you, if you're just, if he's just gonna come in, if someone's just gonna come in, take all your region's money and then not talk to you, get someone who's gonna go game five. Yeah, those are the fun ones. But let's talk about the people. So let's do um, people to look out for and then people who we think are going to win. Um, because I think one person you mentioned there is perfect. Aklo, not only – I think he's both, right? I think Aklo is a player who can win this. This is extremely doable. He won Nightclub VIP, the, the first one of that. Um, so this is definitely doable for him. And he is someone – we mentioned it before on our episode before Pound. I called him borderline top 10. Uh, Pound didn't really change my mind. I think he's still borderline top 10. I think if you were to make a list of 10 players and include like Wizzy, you know, include someone who we haven't seen, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I think Aklo probably is in the like 9, 10, 11, 12 category. I think there's a big toss up there. Um, Aklo is such an impressive player. And really, it's just this type of thing where like the more I watch, I, I'm just like, I want to figure out what, um, what his matchups are, right? Like I, I've watched a lot of him online and, and it's like trying to find out where the limitations are and what I've been seeing is the limitations are few and far between. Um, Nico, you know, this obviously as someone who's in your region that does extremely well, but like Aklo in the past, you know, even we knew he was good pre pandemic, but in the past like year or so, I feel like we've seen him become like a really good player to this player who I would say is almost complete what do you think about uh like his chances here i think they're very good um i think well first of all one trait that he has that i think not a lot of people in his tier has is that he doesn't lose to people he never gets upset he's won every new york event since july in the most stacked region right now in on land um at locals at least you know that attend and um when he goes to majors, he does really well. When he goes to net play events, he does really well. He never gets like a terrible, terrible loss, I think. And that really helps him out. And um, one really good thing is that he's slowly building up the ability to kind of punch up, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I think that, you know, he takes sets off Hungerbox on land. He beat Cody twice on land. Oh, wait, sorry. Hungerbox on net play, Cody on land. Um, he's great versus Sheik. So I'm really excited to see him versus Jaymook if that happens. And then. I'm probably more scared for him if he has to play someone like Slug in a matchup, you know, he's maybe not super familiar in, or maybe like a really like uh, on fire Moki could be something that's overwhelming. I think his biggest flaw is that like, if the game plan that he set up originally is not going well, he like mm. kind of tenses up and goes like full dumb aggro or full insane camp. And it's very clear which one you're going to get. And then mm. you just beat him for doing it. Um, I think like him versus a lot at quintessential, like he's getting cold feet because he knows that he could do it. And he's just not, he's, he's trying to autopilot it when he should be actively like playing a lot, but he doesn't. Um, so I think that's, I think there's a lot of pressure for what, for what it's worth, like by the numbers, I think it's good, but I think he recognizes the big pressure to win this. And I think the, just the pressure is on and it's very felt. So I worry for him in that way not any particular matchup but like can he do it like can mm-hmm. he like show up that day and play which generally those players i mean i, I don't want to speak for Ackler or anything those players tend to become players who get a lot better right like a lot yeah. of those players tend to figure that out that is something where remember cody cody we were like well yeah but can he do it right it's like 
Cody's, um, his like, <clears throat> sorry, there was this narrative around him that uh, if he gets upset, he doesn't make losers runs, right? That was the whole thing with Cody. Um, and then he made that big losers run at Summit. Like the the players who who um, it's outside stuff, outside the game stuff like that. Uh, I tend to not worry about too much. But I, I think you make a great point with Aklo. Um, and I, I like your I like you bring up Moki because that's a really fun comparison to make because those are two players. Both play Fox. Hey, both play Blue Fox. How about that? They both play Fox, and they're both in the same tier of player, I would say. I think they're 10 to 15. Um, Moki probably, just because of his Genesis performance, uh, you know, the Eggy loss, probably I would put maybe a little below. Um, but they're players who I think would do very well if you gave them, you know, 100 tournaments or whatever the old SSBM rank thing is, right? I think they do really well. But Moki is someone who I do think, you know, it, it's not someone who I'm like, oh, yeah, he's never going to get upset. Moki is a little scarier. Aklo, not that way at all. Um, and that helps over the course of time. I, I mean, I know that Aklo's busy. Uh, I know he's got school. And I know he's got tests and everything. So I don't know how much we're going to see of Aklo. But with the data that I've seen, give me five more Aklo tournaments this year. And I feel pretty damn good about it, right? Uh, like, whatever results we're seeing, I think, are very, um, you know, uh, he, he can replicate them. I, I think they're very very realistic that he could Eklo is a super strong player here. Edwin, um, there's a lot of players here. I know we're not going to get to mention them all, but is there anyone who kind of catches your eye as, as a player to watch out for? Yeah, I think there's a very obvious one, and he just got second at Genesis. Uh, mm. I'm really excited to see J how Jamie performs at this event. I think with, with uh, regards to his, uh, you know, his potential, who's to say, right? This guy could be... He, he could be top five in the world. He could be top 15 or top 20. Like, we don't know, right? Like, we, we just have to see more of him, right? So I think we're going to learn a lot about J-Move these, these next two weeks. And we're going to know just where he sits and kind of, like, the the melee hierarchy, like, who he can beat, um, who he might struggle with, um, how different kind of players will do against him. And uh, one thing I want to note uh, about J-Move in particular is, like, you look at his records even as far back as um, – as something like Smash World Tour, um, it's pretty um, it's pretty astounding. Like we're talking about some, it's it's not like this is someone who just had only one good tournament performance where uh, he beat a bunch of people and then we never saw him again, right? It's like if you look at the if you look at yeah, I, I think what Edwin is trying to say is that like you know we talked about this on our podcast before, right? Jamie's performance at Smash World Tour. Okay. Wait. You I cut out there. If you we look had technical at the... difficulties. I tried okay. to cover for you, but it... go back. Let, let's yeah. let's let's hear this wonderful Edwin point again. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, well, what I was saying is, like, the volume and, and rate of wins that this guy was getting. It was like, okay, like, J we we've known for a while that when he, you know when he was in upstate or, or whatever when we only saw him once a year at semi online it was like okay this guy's like the, you know he can compete with top 50 players right then like when the pandemic started and he was beating people like ginger nun polish like this whole long list of people and he was like beating them like pretty consistent it's like okay this guy looks like uh look, looks like he's like top 20 in the world right right i think for for blur rank i might have even had it had him like 15 or something in my ballot right and that was like at the end of smash world tour then at Genesis, we see him beat IBW, Plup, Wad, and Nun. So mm -hmm. we're talking like 
he might have just beaten like three top ten players in a row, right? So it's like all those people are top fifteen, no matter how you slice it. Right? Yeah, no, literally the worst possible interpretation is that this guy is heavily favored against like top fifteen players, and like right. when you look at something like that over the course of of a year, it's like you know the possibility of Jamie potentially winning a super major. What are we going to start thinking of? Like, what if his second place run at Genesis is like not a fluke? What if, like, this is actually just, like, this new era of, like, this this new player who we knew was around for a while and was pretty good? What if, like, the actual idea of how good he was is just, like, he could just win a major or, like, dominate a super region like this? Or was his Genesis run a byproduct of a bunch of other circumstances? Do we see a return to Earth from here leading into Summit? Does that change how we view his trajectory moving forward and his matchups against the field. I think, you know, there's so many players to look at uh, for this event, but I am especially excited to see J-Mook return to, because however way he performs, it'll give us an idea for how he'll perform in Summit. And at the end of Summit, I think we'll finally, 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 like, have a clear idea of just where J-Mook stands. And this is the, this is the second step of this journey this year. I yeah, think... Nico, what do you think about that? You are a, you know, you're a player. Um, obviously, oh. New York, he is... Okay. Give me one State. second. Someone's yeah. knocking on my door. One second. Oh, okay. Um, hey, this is a fun first. <laughs> um, what do you want to talk about, Edwin? We've, we've got some downtime. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of fun locals coming up. I know Pip Squeaks. Nah, squeak. No, no, no. Let's, let's... What, uh... Hey, Patriot season's coming up soon. Uh, yeah, I wasn't too thrilled about the draft. What um, you got any you got any Patriots jerseys you're gonna wear on the show when the season starts up? Uh, maybe I'll have to check. I'll have to check and see what I have. I had a I had a Vince Wilfork jersey a while back, but I, I think I left that at my parents mm. when I was over there. You're a big you. You love metal. Do you have any like fun metal shirts you want to wear on the show? <laughs> I think uh, yeah yeah I have a periphery shirt somewhere somewhere in my closet in a while. I've actually been listening to a good amount of uh, metal again. Oh no, this I hope this isn't your touching grass segment. No 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 that's okay. it's not my touching grass segment is a uh, or the the segment nope. I'm officially hey, called. Hey, hey. We don't need to. We'll we'll get into that later. Yeah, Nico, yeah. Everything, everything uh, good. Yes, all good. Um, okay, so you are you are a player. Obviously, you are um, New York City. Uh, uh, Jay Mook is upstate New York, but he is a player who has been on lots of people's radar for a while. How do you see this event going for him? You know, I I honestly think. Well, I was going to bring up something that I think is probably like kind of tangent. Mm-hmm. I, but I I, I kind of want to bring it up just to contextualize all this because I think we talked about you know this is a big tournament for Aqua, a big tournament for Jay Mook. I think it's also a big tournament for Cody. Um, and the reason I want to bring this this last set to Aklo and Jamie and maybe Mogi online. I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, but he, I think, like, you know, I love Cody. Super important. But I think, like, I think he likes to think that he's in his own tier, like Zane and Mango. But I think recently we've been seeing that, you know, he can lose to a lot more players. Um, and... I think that the reason I bring that up along with the J-Move talk and like, you know, how good do I think he's going to do is because I just think this, 
for for JMOOC, there's also the same amount of pressure. I don't know. I I don't have a direct answer to that, but I feel like with all the conversations I've been having with everybody, it feels like no one is like going into this very comfortable. I feel like JMOOC, Aklo, and Cody have a lot to prove. Like Cody wants to prove that he's he is dominant. He's closer to Zane than he is anybody else, and people need to stop. No shit talking, whatever. JMook needs to prove that Genesis was not a fluke. And Aklo needs to prove that just because he couldn't travel because of school, that doesn't mean he's not a top 10, like borderline top seven-ish player. Um, and I think they're all kind of feeling it. I don't know who's really going to come out on top. I think the narrative is really interesting. I definitely, like, in a social media post, called it that I think that this tournament will crown a king of New York because I think they all, like, have different variables to them that make it interesting. You know, Cody's really good on the big national stage mm-hmm. aqua is way more consistent than all of these players um but and dominates locals regionals and then jay book is the big wild card mm-hmm. i think it's really cool that they all like they've all traded sets they all have something to prove and they all are like considered good and considered to have pressure for like completely different reasons jay book is definitely an interesting person here um we're trying to figure out what like I think the thing about his Genesis run, um, which really makes me think that that's probably not a fluke, is that we saw so much, um, like, so much good melee from him through all these different things, right? If he chain grab eight Sheiks to winner's finals, then it's like, well, okay. He, maybe he's just too good at, at the Sheik to know. Um, but he didn't, right? He beat Pluck. Uh, he was a good, you know, very good player. He beat IBW. He beat one of the best Foxes in the Sheik matchup, personally, if you ask me. Um, he beat none. He beat Laud, who is a top 10 player currently, by, like, almost any metric you look at it. And it's just, like, we saw so much of him where if it happened differently, if the players were different, um, I might get a little more worried, you know, if it were two Falcos and two Marths or whatever. But the spread that we saw him do was so good. I mean, I, I'm not about to say he's top five of the world or anything. I, I would like to see what happens here before I say that before, and sum it. But yeah, what he's doing, I feel very confident in him. Um, but you're right. This is like, this is a really cool thing because I legitimately think that any of these top three people can win it. Um, also, you know, we have a lot of good players here who we didn't mention. Moki is amazing. We talked about him. He could, he could pull this out. Um, we have not seen Slug put it all together in one run. But he has way less peaches in this run, mm-hmm. which is important. There's only Wally and B-Bats to worry about this time. I think every bracket he's entered is like a couple different. Oh, and he has Swooper. He has Swooper. Um, and it looks like this is like the best density of non-floaties for him to run into. So I yeah. I think a lot of people are thinking about Slug for uh, the Saturday as well. He had that good run at Function 1, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, he killed it. Yeah. So he it, should it's... be back one. <laughs> it's uh it's really insane to look at this you know it the fact that we have gone this long we have not mentioned ginger right ginger he's really good player top 20 in the world he just beat pluck and we're only mentioning him now i know it's a testament just how stacked this entire event is yeah i'm it's gonna be sick also just like from the start of pools because you have matches like whiskers versus moki to make it out of winners that's insane. So it's like starting at like one o'clock, like it's just gonna be straight, straight top one hundred matches, which is gonna be nutty to think about. Yeah, we didn't even get into like what are the potential pools upset. What there's no way to track it. It's no, really difficult. It's too much. There's so many good players here. 
Um, but there's so many good players. Maybe we have to just like we got to make a gut call. Um, I'll start. You know, there's a lot of good players here who can win this event. We, we mentioned them all, and there's players who we didn't mention who could still win, which is crazy, right? That's how stacked this event. Is. Player who we did mention, I'm going to just pick the guy who I mentioned first as a player to watch. I legitimately think that Aklo is a player with an incredible chance to do this, uh, and I think that. Is he favored? Probably not. I wouldn't say that he's the odds-on favorite to win, but I am going to say that Aklo is going to take this one. I've got a good feeling about him going into this. It's just seeing the way he's played recently, especially at New York City events. Um, I, I think that this could be the one where he pieces all together. Edwin, we talked to a lot of people. What do you think? Uh, who's the guy who comes out on top of all this? Um, other So I'm going to assume that I'm not contractually obligated to pick Pipsqueak. Sorry, yeah. Melee Stats Pipsqueak is going to win his second yeah. consecutive event. But if I had to pick another person, I would pick Aklo. You know, okay. Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say I think Cody pulls it out. I think it is insane that uh, Cody has not uh, dominantly held on to, you know, what, what I think most people would expect him to have the whole, like, King of New York title. Mm -hmm. I think this is the tournament where he's finally going to prove it. I think this is his, like, Warm-up tournament for Summit. Uh, if, if he ends up going, if he ends up going to this tournament, I think uh, I know he said he's not feeling feeling well and he wants to make sure he's like healthy and stuff. But if he ends up going, I think this is a good opportunity for Cody to really cement himself as the uh, the closest to dethroning Zane. I think this is a great opportunity for him to rise to the occasion. I think he's going to do it. Um, so I'm going to go with him. Rabbit. Um, I am going to second what you said. We, I think this is, I think this is Aklo Day. I think he's going to do it. Um, he's going to make the run. I will say that a sleeper pick it, that I have is I think Slug is going to get top three. I think his path of Sora into Moki, and if he wins that, he plays. I think, um, even if he loses to Moki at that place. Like, he doesn't have a ton of competition in losers unless Wally and B-Bats make the most insane run. The only way I think Slug loses is if somehow a floaty gets to him, but it doesn't look like his path is filled with it. Um, and I think he's on a better side of bracket. I think he'd much rather see um, Moki and J-Mook than he would Cody and Aklo or Ginger or something. Um, wait, wait, we really didn't talk about Ginger yet. No, we didn't. <laughs> He's so good, and we we have not talked about him. Hey, I mean, he could still make a run. He he could very easily be. Oh, and then there's Swift. Swift <laughs> could also. I don't know. This tournament's crazy, but my heart's on Aqua. That's all I gotta say. I don't want to drag it. I mean, we uh, uh, two Aquas, one Cody. That's that's wild. Two Aquas, one Cody. My favorite video on the internet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to this event. I think this will be like. There's a fantasy for this, and I think that if you are, hey, you know what? If you're the type of person who's watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, I think fantasy would be the right thing for you. It's gonna be super oh. fun. I um, first event in a while where I was not like involved in seeding, so I was like, oh, cool, I'll make a, I'll make a fantasy. I won't yeah. feel like I'm rigging this. Um, <laughs> so I made one. It was very fun. I think like I went through so many different choices because uh, I was just like, wait, this player can do well. This player can do well. I mean, literally all these players could do well. It's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be incredibly entertaining. Um, yeah, I, I cannot wait to watch this, truly. 
Mm. Sad I can't go, but, uh, you know. I'll go to Function 3. Yes. That I, all, all I will say is, um, in terms of how I'm feeling about Function, like, I, I, a bunch of people are super excited. I'm personally still a little nervous, you know, just it's a big project. It's, yeah. you know, I think it's going to be a little cramped in there. I'm hoping that people are courteous and, you know, move as they need to move. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully the bar allows them to just go outside a little more. So it frees up space. Um, but I will say for anyone, I don't know, the people that tune into this type of thing or whatever, um, like my, my plan with function three is that clearly I think there's a need to do um, an event that's 300, 400, 500 melee players in New York city. Um, but uh, the most important thing for me that I'm looking at is like, if our viewership's really good, um, if you know, all the players show up and they have a good time and stuff like that, um, any like cool sound bites, and I'm going to try to like pitch to a bunch of sponsors using data from this event. And then hopefully function yeah. three is a convention center. That would be the dream. Yeah. Um, that would be the dream. Yeah. I, I am working on it. That's like my, one of my main roles at this event is just going to be like, you know, just collecting all the data, seeing like average Twitch viewership, you know, all that type of stuff. And watch hours, watch hours is key, Nico. I know watch hours is key. It is key. Um, well, luckily we're, we're streaming on BTS. So we, we robbed them yeah. a little bit, mm, um, nice. but, um, yeah. Well, it's incredible to see what you've done with function, uh, and hearing about the plans for function three, you know, even before anything gets done, it's still amazing to see what you've grown. I know we kind of, we talked about this a little bit ago. Um, and this was like a very uh, pointed discussion about NYC Melee. But let's talk a, like a little broader for just a little bit, because I think a lot of these points we did pick up on there. Um, but what do you think about like how to rebuild a scene, right? It's how to build, it's how to rebuild. Post-COVID, I think that there's a lot of, a lot of uh, confusion as to like why people would want to go to a Melee tournament, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff like this. Um, you are currently running... I mean, where's the ETOS numbers? Is this is nightclub the best uh, region? Or sorry, the best local in terms of uh, pure entrance, right? Yeah, I think so. So you're running the biggest local in uh, in America right now, in the world. Um, what are the what are the secrets to success, and how do you build a scene like this? Hmm. Okay, so I I have a lot of thoughts. I mean, I hope, hopefully, yeah. I it comes out of my mouth in a way that's like you know neat, but I will do my best. Um, so I think the first person I really want to, um, I guess, bring up in terms of, I guess, where my opinion on stuff kind of came from and how I kind of differ from people. Um, and also just like a, talking about the past a little bit is hacks. Um, I think this is important to bring up because um, Hacks' nightclub was this thing that I think tried to do a little bit of what you said of like top down type of growth where like, you know, he uses his name in, in the in the logo, right? He uses his own stream and then um, he creates a tournament around it and it gets all these views, right? Like it probably had more views than his current nightclub and, you know, name brand, whatever. Um, but I actually think like, um, I was thinking a lot about like scene growth even before, you know, we got banned or whatever about like how he went about it. But um, I think one of my core values of growing the local is that like, the most important thing is growing everybody in the scene on all different like roles and hats that you have. Like I think what hacks tried to do, and I think what a lot of, you know, companies or corporations, whatever, try to do in terms of growing melee is like, 
okay, we need the biggest thing right now. So what we're going to do is just, we're going to put, get the biggest name to put uh, his name on the front. Um, we're going to commission all the biggest, um, you know, graphic designers that we have no idea who they are. They're just outside the region and we get them to do these things. Um, you know, we're going to partner with all the biggest names, whatever. And then we're going to come up with this like spectacular project. Now, here's the thing that I think a lot of people don't talk about that, you know, there's a lot of, sadly, as we all like to call them, hacks, truthers, who, you know, will just be like, oh, blah, blah, bam, for whatever, blah, blah. And, you know, they just defend him forever. But one thing he really wasn't good at doing, and one thing I really credit myself with doing is like, he never laid a foundation for NYC to move without him. Like, he controlled everything. He controlled the tournament, the stream. Um, he All the TOs are just like, were people that were like particularly just trying to help out hacks and not trying to help out NYC. So when he left, we had nothing, no discord, no Twitter, no uh, stream, no staff members. Cause it just was all focused on him. So my like key thing because of that, and because of just how I've seen Melee happen in the past is just like, I'm going to build up as many people in the local as I can. And how do I do that? I just, um, I see who are like the passionate people in the community and what type of skills we have. And just try to utilize them the best I can. I'm like, I literally every end person that comes in, I like try to ask them about their major, where they're from, how they got involved in melee, and like I'll just hear like one skill that I think is important, and I try to like latch onto it. So like for example, the NYC melee logo is from a nightclub attendee who does graphic, um, who does graphics and stuff like that. Um, we have a bunch of commentators who have come up that are not Zane and stuff like that who you know, put in a bunch of passion and stuff like that. We've had people do the social media, now joining in on the TO team. Brando, um, legendary person who's in chat, was not a production person. He just had an interest in it and he like grew on top of that. So like anyone that had like some type of skill and some type of passion, instead of just being like, oh, well, I'm Ryobeat. I've been in the scene 10 years. I'm just gonna do everything. I'm like, you know what? You run with it. Here's like my experience with TOing and you know, being in the community that I think gives good context to what you're doing, but I can't build out all the skills like everyone else can. Um, and that's like at the forefront of everything that um, I do, even with top players, you know, I'm not like, like I'm trying to help them grow their individual brands so that mm -hmm. they can bring that to the nightclub as opposed to just, you know, using their name and then leaving it that. I always tell players like, hey, you know, when you're coming to the nightclub, like, you know, make sure to tweet out your own combos, your own clips, make sure to shout out your stream. We interview everyone so people get to be familiar with the players um, and stuff like that. It's kind of like a core value that I bring to everything is just like, um, like investing in all the people who are consistently at the local who are passionate and then kind of like putting them to work and putting them to grow like together. Because then I think what you get is just like from function, like currently function two compared to function one, we have like 10 more people who are happy to do setups, who are happy to run bracket, we're happy to, um, what the graphic that we just came out with for the commentators, that was just done by someone in the discord. Um, we made a Skillshare thing where we're just writing down, oh, I'm a, oh, uh, sorry, I have another one to mention. Uh, sorry, I'm just kind of rambling, but you no, know, no, Ford, go ahead. you know, Ford 4D, he, he does all the video work. He's like, yeah, I make, I like shoot music videos. And I wouldn't have known that if I didn't just socialize with all the oh. people in my local. He was like, yeah, I have this really fancy camera. That's how we get all the trailers. Brando, he, he's like, yeah, you know, I make raps. Oh, how good could I be? Incredible. Everyone loves the function trailer. Just stuff like, like I, I think um, like 
sometimes I always feel a little bad when people are just like, oh, you know, like, so how do you run a monitor tournament? Or like, what's the rest, best way to run a bracket? I don't really know that. Um, but I think what I do know is like how to connect to everybody at the local and how to use my context in the scene and my people building skills to like turn that into like tangible things that we can use to like grow the local is kind of the approach I go about. Yeah, it really seems like a, like a lot of your approach is based on developing and knowing your personnel, right? Oh my God. All right, say it, Edwin. Edwin talks to me about personal development all the time. He thinks that he's Bill Belichick. He, like, he talks to me as if he's like, uh, just like, he's like, yeah, dude, I met this person. I know what they're perfect for. So go ahead. Say it, Edwin. Talk about yeah, personal it's development. It's literally so important. And Nico, what you're saying is like, like sincerely, I, I mean, this is something that I talk about with Wheat and Ambi to like an annoying amount, right? I always yeah. talk about- no, I, I will attest to that. <laughs> yeah. I always talk about the importance of personnel in Smash. And I and I wanna I wanna yes and what you're saying here. I think so many people think of things in the scene in terms of like name recognition and like one person doing everything, right? They always think like, oh well, you know, uh, I do this, so I know what's right in this area, in this area, in this area, in this area, right? And it's like, well, well, that's not how you like grow a scene, right? Like you grow a scene through knowing the people that you have and like knowing the skills that they can can to this like ecosystem right and like knowing how they can further develop those skills uh, in accordance with each other right i think that's so important not just i mean that's important in life just in general but like i think i think smash is actually like a really wonderful place to to develop a lot of these skills in, in an environment that's maybe a little more friendly and a little more even though it may not always appear like that <laughs> like if you're an online content creator if you do anything in the smash sphere obviously you're like you're gonna have throngs of people that'll uh, try to, you know, take away credit from you and, and try to, or, or worse, try to attribute it to someone else and say that like you're an imposter or whatever. But I, I think, you know, like anyone who's actually uh, been to a tournament or like seen the work that you and the NYC Melee team put in, like, yeah, I think like you guys have definitely earned it. I think, uh, you know, I think, I think it really pays dividends when you grow a community with multiple contributors. And when you, when you have these people that are able to come together with, with their respective skills and to build something really cool that other people notice, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, even like NYC, I know New York City Melee has been a thing for, for a while, just like as a concept, but like, cor correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the NYC Melee Twitter really started taking off in like the last year, right? Yeah, no, that's a big thing. Like, I think, um, I think, well, we never had a Discord. Obviously Discord got more popular and so we got more popular, but before it was like, neb's twitter but that also encompassed like pm and card shop stuff um hacks never had anything for nyc it was just you know hacks tweeting out the his twitch link every wednesday um and then there was no nightclub disc there was like a hacks nightclub discord but not an nyc melee discord so it include a lot of people who are out of the region that type of thing um so yeah this is the first time where we have our own twitch our own twitter and our own discord where it's like what's the what's the community here it's like you live in new york city or you attend new york city events like that's your catch-all and that's way better than like oh what's hacks catch-all it's like you are a follower of this top player you know and or just like the corporation like you know i don't know uh i don't know i, I mean I, I thought of like three sponsor names that have discords that don't really do anything and i didn't want to call them out because they sponsor but you know what i mean uh <laughs> uh stuff like that i think it like it makes more sense when it's like that's the clear for twitter i i will okay i will say like 
I do delegate a lot and a lot of skills are given out. And I'm like, you know, mine is, I guess, like the, the, the people connecting and the delegating. But I think my actual like skill set I bring melee is probably the social media aspect. I think that um, I've just done it a lot throughout time. I've advertised a lot of events before I've advertised for NEBS. Um, and yeah, the Twitter right now is like at like 1800 or something like that, like pretty organic. Um, and yeah, I think my biggest role in all this is just like the reason I'm so passionate about daily posts on Twitter and daily posts in Discord and having a really neat stream is that like, that's kind of the ad to just get in the scene and then, you know, make those like friendships and connect those people. And then from there, like, you know, they run with it. Like there's a lot of like art stuff and film stuff and photography. Oh, we have a photographer too. Shout out to Vey. She did all the uh, function photography. Like that person, like people like Vey, Brando, Ford, um, those people, like they didn't even exist in Hacks' nightclub time. Um, it, like we didn't, we never got to utilize like their skills or whatever. But now we have just like this huge pool of people that we could just pick from. It's like, oh, you do photography, you do coding, all that stuff. Um, it's and a foundation. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's honestly like once function is over, like that's probably like, I'm going to stress that even more. Cause I think right now I still do a little too much work in NYC Melee, like one for my own mental health. But also because, you know, I think even I see the the problem with, you know, just focusing it on one person, because it's like, if I'm ever out of a nightclub, like there's a lot of functions that can't happen anymore. Um, and that's not good because, you know, eventually, you know, if I ever retire from the game or, you know, I just get really busy with work or something, I don't want the whole thing to just come down because I'm not in it. I want to be able to pass off who, to whoever it is who, you know, at some point will be more passionate than me and have cooler ideas than me. And I'll be like, you know what? It's yours now. Um, and I wanted to rather like someone like jokingly once says like, oh, well, let's just do what we did before. Why don't we call it like Ryo Beats Nightclub? You do all this work or whatever. I'm like, no, dude, because that's how you do. That's how you transform like a foundational thing into like a top down thing. And yeah. then if people just recognize it as like, oh, Ryo Beats like the coolest guy ever. And he's the guy who does it. Then once I'm not there, they're like, oh, I guess it's not going to be cool anymore. And that's the type of thing I'm trying to avoid. I think it's a, you know, it makes sense, right? You know, if there's a situation where you need to leave, if it were all you, then seems like NYC Melee is, you know, you're taking it with you. Uh, but if you are to build up everything around you to where, to the point where, you know, one piece does not suddenly topple the whole thing. Um, yeah, I think that that's a, that's a really good way of, of just like building a scene, right? Because that's what you're building. You're actually building a scene when you say that. You're, it's not even just building a tournament. Because that's what connects it, right? That's what connects nightclub to function to all whatever other uh, goes from there. I think one last thing I want to ask you about TOs. So that's a really good, um, like, talk about how to grow what you already have. Do you have any thoughts on how TOs get people to locals right now? Like how to get the butts in the seats to begin with? Um, there that could be a big, um, that could be a big question because there's so many different incentives. I think of you know you think of um you know stream advertisements twitter advertisements appealing to net play that type of thing um i think what i'll try to answer it with is in terms of getting people to the local i'm gonna not talk as much about that because i think that one i can answer with i guess like lukewarm answers that can hold people over to like at least start the thinking of like you know get more like easy ones are like get more active on twitter and make your own regions twitter handle make your own discord um you know 
what's it called? Have a really good stream that clearly shows like how to get to the local if you were interested after watching. Um, Netplay tournaments that feed into locals and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What I think is really important that people don't harp on and something I really pay attention to is if you see um, a new person at the local, you need to make sure that they stay there. Um, mm -hmm. And I think more so about not just like how do you recruit people to the local, but how do you have local player retention? How do you get people to come multiple weeks in a row and not just one? Because I think a lot of people don't realize is that um, for most new people in the in the event, it's like maybe they'll see Melee one time, they get excited because it's cool, but then they go in, they know nobody at all, they're not mm -hmm. very welcomed in any way, they get double three stocked in two sets, and then they walk out the door. Um, because then, you know, after you're done, you just look around, it's just more people playing. It's just like, well, I already got fucked up doing that, and I don't really know anybody, so I'm just going to leave. Um, so I really, really, like, when there's a new person at the at the event, like, I have an Excel sheet that, like, I do check-in for, and I put little highlights next to the people who are new attendees, so I keep my eye out for them. Like, first of all, when I, like, greet them, like, hey, this is your first tournament, right? I haven't seen your name around here. And they're like, yeah, no, it is. And I'm like, well, how'd you get into the game? Like, what's your major? What brings you to New York? That type of thing. And then, like, my little secret to, I hope, you know, no new player sees this, but, like, anytime I see, like, that new player walk away, I'm like, all right, nice to meet you later. I'll, like, go to, like, someone who's been playing for a while. It's like, yo, 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 you see that person right there? Like, that person is like brand new. Like you need to make sure they have a good experience. Make sure you teach them how to wave dash. Make sure you get them on NYC Melee Discord, the Twitter, all that stuff. Like I send my little my little veteran hounds to make sure they're all like included, welcome. Someone buys them a drink, that type of thing. I also will do a thing where I'm like, hey, you're a brand new player. This is your first tournament. That person over there is, this is their second tournament. So you should play them because it's going to be like a closer match and you won't get destroyed. Mm -hmm. And that's very rewarding. You know. It's, it feels bad if you can't wave dash, but if you have two people who can't wave dash, then it's like, holy shit, this is so competitive, this is sick. Um, so I really focus a lot on um, player retention, like, you know, making sure they have things to do after they are eliminated in bracket, making sure they have people to play that's their level, um, and plugging them into all the, like, pipelines almost. I, I always get a little flattered when, like, I'll like TO and then three hours later, I'm like, okay, God, I've been so busy. I haven't talked to all the new players because I try to make that a goal. I'll go up to them and say, like, hey, level one, nice to meet you. Uh, are you in the Discord? And I'm like, yeah, actually seven people already asked me to be in it. I'm in it, okay? <laughs> and I'm like, good, okay, my people got to you. <laughs> um, stuff like that I, I super think about. I also message like new players at the end of the event. Like, hey, thank you so much for coming. Like, it was really awesome to meet you or whatever. Like, am I seeing you next week? Like, you know, that follow-up. Um, that's kind of what I focus on. No, that sounds sick. Um, I, I really do think that all this is good. And uh, I like all this information because I was a little worried about, well, what is information from a TO in New York, mm -hmm. the biggest city in, in America? What, right. like, how does that relate to other people? And I, I really honestly think that, you know, whatever you're doing in New York can just be replicated, right? If you were doing this in, in Boise, maybe Idaho would have a bigger scene, right? Like, I, I literally right. think that whatever... Um, takeaways there are are replicable you can take this to any part of america you take this to anywhere uh and you can see a scene come from it this is uh yeah no i appreciate that insight because i was <laughs> i was like a little worried it's like yeah well maybe it's just everyone will be there already because it's nyc but hearing the thought that gets put into it um i already know just from what i've heard about nightclubs and what i've heard about functions not able to attend one yet but what i know from them um I already knew that a lot of thought went into it, but just hearing all this, yeah, it's it shows that there's really levels, and and if 
people want to put that effort in, there will be stuff to come out of it. And I think that's a good thing that if people who are looking to TO or already TOing, um, you know, it is a lot of effort. Uh, it right. sounds like a lot of effort just hearing you say it. So I'm sure <laughs> it is a lot of effort doing it every mm -hmm. week. Uh, but it really does seem like putting that much of effort into stuff will come out with something. Um, so Nico, we have that question. We've got some, we're going to move on to uh, some questions that we've got from the Patreon. So, mm -hmm. you know what, Edwin? They've been good recently. We've been making, we usually make fun of them. It's like week on, week off. We, we'll make fun of them and they'll come back with good ones. And then the next week they'll have nothing. They've been coming up with some good questions. Um, so I'm going to ask one from probably the person who's had maybe the most questions asked on this. This is SSB Seal, Top 64 Genesis Seal. Um, who are some up-and-coming Peach players that people should watch out for in the next few years? Damn. I haven't he, been asked He told me a couple players so he does long. not want you to say. So I will, I will not let you – I will not say them. I will let you know if you say one of them who's off limits. Okay. He's got a couple of obvious answers that he doesn't think uh, you should take. Okay. Um, Peach players that are up and coming. And also, I know, I don't want to do the surface level answers. You know, that's, especially as a Peach player, that would look bad. It's like, wow, you only know, like, Wally. Um, I really like um, Swaggerby, um, mm. the person who enters Gale a lot, and she's really sick. Um, I have a lot of faith in Sir Maris if he ever wants to enter yeah, more than from West Virginia, once. Right? Yeah. Um, I really like Vincent was on a really good path, but then, you know, just kind of like stopped playing as much. And as a last pick, Asuka, the hardest working peach. He streams like every day for five hours. He's always on the grind. He's always in a good mood. He's always analyzing. Coach them a lot. Um, sometimes I'll like go into his stream and just like, he's like, oh, I don't know what to do about Sheik. And I like, I mean, I don't want to let him know because it's nerdy, but like, I have such a like, such an admiration for what he does. Like, he just, I love people who radiate love for like the game and their character, and he embodies that. So like, sometimes I'll just be like, I'm on my lunch break, but I'll get on a Discord call with you, and I'll just be like, all right, you need to do this, 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 this. He's like, okay. Later, he's like, are you, am I bothering you? I'm like, no, you need to fly. You could do this. Um, so I guess him. And Arcane, Troy, if he wants to play a little more. But I know he's more on the labbing side. Those are some really fun answers. And you also did avoid. You successfully avoided all of the uh, the landmines that, that still set out. He said he did not want you to mention Wally, Ara, or Jambron. He said he needs the real deep cuts. And I think you gave us those. Those are, hey, you know what? Uh, SF, our intern said asuka so you guys are on a similar wavelength so uh i think oh, everyone's yeah. pretty hyped about that answer edwin do we have another question for nico yeah this one is from a fellow uh, melee stats member algebra one two three two three zero um since you're a teacher nico and started in the scene very young what are the best ways to be inviting to young players while still keeping them safe the best way i think about this a ton actually um so if you have young players in your scene, um, same things that I said before, you know, Discord, blah, 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 blah. Um, I let them, you know, I always let people know if new players are there, but I also let people know when someone's a minor on the side because I think you have different conversations, you know, no sex, no drugs, no. No um, rock and roll. No rock and roll, no. <laughs> um, but um, I think one thing that's really important is uh, 
as a teacher and parent outreach. I think it's really important to, if you have a minor in your scene, establish that connection. Like I always say, like, if I know a minor that's like currently competing, I say like, Hey, if you ever want like your parent to talk to me in, or in some way, like, let me know, here's my phone number, right? Just take it. Like, um, I rather, like I have my phone on at all times. And I think parents definitely feel better sending their kid to a video game tournament with a bunch of drunken, sweaty men. If they at least know what's happening, what time, where's the address and who can they contact if something's wrong with their child. So I always give my contact information to, um, any minor in the scene. Um, like, you know, for, for what's it called? Um, for people that are just brand new that aren't minors, I'm just like, here's my discord. If I know they're under 18, I'm like, take my phone number and give it to your family or a brother or something like that. Um, and I just like, you know, keep an extra eye on them. You know, I just make sure, you know, they're not around people who are like drinking a ton. Um, I, I really stress the parenting. I know high schoolers are like, well, I don't, don't talk to my mom. I'm like a grown up, And it's like, <laughs> like, like half a grown up. you know, I'm still, I always say, you know, I'm just liable for you. I have to. Um, but I think parent communication is a big one. Um, if they can see the stream, if they can see you, if, if a parent comes in, you a hundred percent got to talk to them as well. You know, if at any time I see like a mom, like, you know, that person, uh, music hits on Twitch. Uh, I think it's, he's a, he's, he's like that little kid at Genesis who took pictures with everybody. Oh, OG kid. OG, OG kid. kid. I ran into him on, on ranked today. Yeah. Destroyed him. No, he's no, good, he's dude. He's pretty good. He's solid. But he he went juju at Genesis. He was pretty good. But yeah, no, his mom good. was there. Um, and I introduced myself. You know, I'm, I I want to be like, yeah, I'm like, my tag is beer man. Or I'm not saying Riley. I'm like, hey, I'm Nico. <laughs> I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I try to let them know, you know, I'm not a, like a degenerate adult. I'm like, you know, I work in, in schools and stuff like that. So I'm reliable. I gave her my phone number. Even if I never see her again, I'm like, if you have any questions about the scene, let me know. I think he lives in upstate New York. So I'm like, yeah, if you guys are ever visiting, that type of thing. Um, and I just always to keep, I always offer anyone to keep a watch on the minor. Also, don't invite them to any Smash Fest. <laughs> always keep it in public places. That is very important. That sounds like some good advice. Some very thoughtful advice uh, from patron questions and just from the, you know, the normal topics. Uh, I really do like your outlook on all this. But uh, here we got one more question. I feel like la the last two weeks we asked favorite pizza topping, and you being from New York would be a good, uh, you know, good, a good question. But we've got a little bit of a better one. This is from the man, the myth, the legend. We've been talking about him uh, probably the most mentions he's gotten on a single podcast. This is talking from uh, SF. Mm. SF asked, "Who would win in a salty sweet between you and Steech?" Oh Dude. my god, the lore here is so good. There is some lore here. I uh, I can explain I if you like. I, the lore is like, oh, West Coast is free because, you know, Zane has to play Ryobeat and, you know, this person has to play Steech. Yes. <laughs> Look. That Steech really... just won the SoCal Acadian. He did. Pretty dominantly. Did. did very Pretty well. Pretty good. Um... Uh, look, I'm not. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I don't know how many years or months I have to stop playing to like lose, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> Please mm -hmm. trust me in that. You know, I play a decent amount of unranked. I still, you know, I went to jet. I I got fifth in doubles. You know, on a full time job. I, like if I entered singles, I, I really I don't know. I mean, I still I still play top players all the time. I'm there's no doubt in my mind that I I don't win that. Or, or like I absolutely win that. There's no way I don't. Um, no comment 
West Coast, say West Coast is free. They are free. I'm sorry. Dude, <laughs> but actually the funniest thing happened recently that truly proved, I'm only bringing this up because Brando's in chat, that I'm still a good Melee player, which is um, we all had a Smash Fest, like me, Ja, Kata, Jib, Wally, um, Willie P, all these people. And we were drunk and, and stuff, you know, listening to music, having a good time. It's like, oh, let's do like a draft crew battle. And, um, you know, I was on one of the draft teams and I had to play like Kata, Vino, Nil uh, Folan, or, or Phil Nolan. And then mm-hmm. there was one other person and they're like, oh, you know, Nico's drunk or whatever. And, you know, he always says that he's retired or whatever. And like, I think I took like 13 or 14 stocks while shit talking them. And, oh, yeah, I played Ja, and, like, every time I took a stock, I said Ja more like nah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then, like, the other side, like, they were cheering for me. Like, my crew was cheering for me while I was, like, drunkenly beating Kata's ass. And I was just like, uh, but, guys, you don't have to cheer for me. Like, go eat the Chinese food. Like, it, it's over. It, it's not going to just stop. So all is to say is I'm still kind of nasty. I just also T.O. Yeah, I will say uh, if if uh, being like another solid fox is a, any indication or set against it, you did beat uh, Harry Potter, the hungry box slayer, at Smash. Dude, so I, dude, I think uh, I like your chances against Steech. I had a very funny story about playing Harry Potter, which was uh, we sit down. I'm like, hey, you know, we played on that play a good amount. Like, you know, nice to meet you for the first time. And he goes. I hope you're not as filthy as you are on net play and which I proceeded like the last two games to three stock him. And in my head, I'm like, sorry, man. I, I think I am. <laughs> he was just like, fuck, you are kind of nasty. S fat and Zealot fucked me up though. So I can't say anything. Okay. Well, I, I, for one, uh, I'm on your side. I think you'll win until we inevitably have Steech on and then, uh, who knows? And we have to explain yeah. ourselves. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll change my reasoning when Steech comes on here. Uh, <laughs> Steach, who I don't think wants to leave SoCal. I like. I think that even Genesis was like, eh, I don't need yeah. to travel there. So we'll see. When Steach becomes like top 50 by only going to SoCal events, which is uh, historically doable, <laughs> then, yeah, uh, then we'll maybe... The issue is that the West Falls win doesn't count as hard anymore. <laughs> true. Usually that's what got you there, but now it's like, hey, I beat West Falls. I'm like, yeah, so I don't like everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, join the club, right? Uh, whoever Dugo has it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. We'll see. Who knows? Maybe we'll set up a uh, Celtics at some point soon. Uh, but Nico, we're, we're kind of rolling down to the end of the show here. We've got a segment, um, you know, officially unnamed, but colloquially known as Touching Grass. You know, we have been talking about Melee for about two hours now. And <clears throat> basically, the idea behind this segment is to try to shine a light on something that's been going on in our lives that does not have anything to do with melee right we are not monoliths we are able to have fun in the world that is not uh melee so i'll go first i'll give you guys some time to think um this past week i would have loved to say that my touchy grass moment was getting back to concerts it's been a actually i think only a few weeks <laughs> but i i had a um concert for an artist who i love called indigo de souza she was supposed to play last night it got postponed because someone had covid um but what i did instead is i continued to watch a lot of barry so barry is an hbo show starring bill Mm -hmm. Hader. um season three just started i watched the first episode of season three thought it was really good but i also did think that it's been a while since i saw it uh and i was like you know what 
it's like eight episodes a piece per season, um, 30 minute episodes. I will just catch back up, right? How quick can I take? Uh, I'm about halfway through season two. I think it took me about two or three days. Um, it is a great show. It is, uh, it's about Bill Hader as a hitman. Um, very funny, but is able to also deliver a lot of dramatic moments. Uh, I think he won it in, uh, the fuck, Emmy. You can, I think he won an Emmy for his, uh, acting there. He does a great job. A lot of really funny people there. So I have been rewatching that. Um, if you have the time and have HBO, I guess it's probably, <laughs> probably the, I, I the you know, thing there. Um, I would say I'd recommend it. it. It definitely is something where, you know, if you want to put two hours into it, just see if you like it, put an hour into it. That's four episodes, that's two episodes, you know, dip your toes in, see if it works because I think it's really a great show. Um, Edwin, you have been talking about your touching grass moment before the show. You talked about how excited you were to reveal your touching grass moment. Let us hear it. What is the, what's been going on with you this past week? All right, so uh, with my, I mentioned this in the Discord server. I think I've brought up this game on the show already, but uh, I yeah. am uh, in a couple weeks. Me and my friends are from my hometown are going to be playing in a Pokemon Stadium tournament against each other with the rental-only Pokemon, and uh, we have our draft mm. coming up for which Pokemon we're going to set up. So, so we're trying to avoid like repeats. So. Uh, I've been trying to. I've been spending a bit of today thinking about like a potential draft board and what that would look like as far as like uh, my first pick or second pick or third pick or whatnot. And it, it's pretty interesting because the thing is, you have to remember this is in Pokemon Stadium, right? So some of the move sets don't really make sense for for some of the Pokemon, and uh, some of them are just like absurdly busted because it's not balanced very well. So uh, I'm pretty interested. Um, I think Alakazam will probably go first out of all the Pokemon that, that are there. Um, I, I, I really have no idea, though. The, the one thing is that uh, I, think, I, I think I'm think i not going to. So I'm running this tournament. Uh, I think I'm probably not going to allow Mew or Mewtwo. Although I don't think you can play as Mewtwo. Dude, I've always wanted to do a rental Pokemon draft. Those look so fun. Like, yeah, I think... I, I always loved playing Pokemon Stadium for N64 as a kid, and it's just like, wow, I'm either I get Charmander with the greatest moves ever, or like Charizard with Rock Smash. I love making dumb decisions like that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I need to do that sometime. That sounds like a lot of fun. Who do you, who do you think? Uh, who would your number one pick be? I feel like so, Alakazam is pretty safe, right? Wait, what generate? What gen? Oh, Gen One for the first Pokemon Stadium, like N64. Oh, and. Oh, oh, you're saying the literal game. What would always be my pick? I would always pick, like, I feel like Haunter or Gengar are really broken. Like, Gengar is pretty good. Yeah. I think sometimes, like, Haunter maybe had more, like, aggressive moves, and Gengar was kind of a tank in the stadium. I forget how it went. I would pick one of those. Um, Edwin, and then... tell me, is this just, like, people saying... Yeah, Mars faster, but Roy hits harder. Is this, is this the equivalent? Because I have yes. no... I have no idea anything in this game. For what between, it's worth? Uh, yeah. Wait, you're talking about between Haunter or Gengar? Yeah. Uh, I like Gengar's move list more, but Haunter is better... Or, or Excuse me. I like Haunter's move list a little more, but Gengar is better, uh, like, overall stats. Of course, so, like, he is faster. It yeah. perfectly fits the thing. Okay, so they're both good. Yeah. Um, um, 
I don't want to. I keep asking you. You do this. You've done this for like two weeks already. I don't want to ask you more questions, make you go on further. Cool. You're doing a Pokemon Stadium rental draft. Very fun. I'm sure I will hear about it once again when you do it. <laughs> yeah, I have an uh, update. Now. And like I might hear it. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll probably hear about it in the coming weeks. Uh, Nico, you know, you are a busy man. Oh, you are the you are the podcast. You're the Apple the podcast eye of the Melee podcasters eye right now. Radio Melee in here, because you know it's like, oh, what's your touching grass moment? We're diff- We're not just Melee. In my head, I have to remind myself that I'm not, <laughs> or at least as I feel the the stress and function week, you know, mm-hmm. where you know it's just all I think about and all I'm. Do- I mean, I have the suitcase of another Smasher right here, so it's like, yeah, I touch grass, like not much recently but um one touch grass moment i've been trying to remind myself to touch grass i don't do it often but when i do um two things i guess on thursday does it count if i hang out with pipsqueak i'm I'm touching grass with him um we're gonna see a movie we're gonna see everything everywhere all at once and i'm gonna go with zane and uh gabe and probably some other people and pipsqueak we're gonna see that movie and go to like a very nice restaurant with pip nico um, that was my touching grass moment a couple weeks ago Ooh, dude. i saw it and then stewed at genesis was like does anyone want to see this and i was like i'll see it again and then uh two people who are close to me and who are in an organization with me uh which i will not name they both flaked so it's just me and stewed who went on like a little date i guess Hell two yeah. large men just going to see a movie uh no i i, I want to hear back from you i'm sure zane will talk to me about it it is uh i won't say anything. yeah you know i mean he's he's the film guy he's he's gonna have to talk to you about it he's um, go- yes <laughs> or else there will be hell to pay oh yeah the other thing i'm doing is uh i am going to a concert with my coworker, um That's which fine. i'm excited about because i usually don't honestly socialize much outside of melee friends so i'm excited to Get a little out of my comfort zone, but I'm gonna go see Beach Bunny, one of my oh, favorite yeah. bands. Yeah, and it's my second time seeing them, so I'm super stoked. They were amazing the first time, and I think they're gonna be amazing the second time. And that's Very happening fun. Summit week, so I will come home drunkenly at like 1 a.m. and then I will watch uh, J Mook Tech Chase Weapon. So it'll be a perfect weekend. Truly. Truly sounds like it. It um, sounds beautiful. J-Move tech chasing Leffen. I want match yeah. I want to see. Well, I'm but jumping course, up in the crowd. It's like everyone's recording Beach Bunny, and I got my hands jumping up and <laughs> down, but it's just like Jake down throwing. I'm like, yeah. It's like, or everyone's like, hey, put your camera down. But some other people are like, wait, no, wait, put your camera up. What game is this? <laughs> of course, before we get to Summit, we need to get to Function. Function is coming up this weekend. Instead of seeing J-Move tech chase Leffen, We'll say, see J-Mook, uh, Tech Chase Aklo or something. Um, oh, Nico, yeah. if people want to watch Function, where can they do so? Um, Where can they watch it? They can watch it at BTS Smash for the mainstream and for the side stream, NYC Melee. Um, I would also follow NYC Melee on Twitter for all the updates and cool clips and stuff. And my own Twitter, at Ryobeat, for me retweeting NYC Melee. <laughs> and also, you know, maybe my own little flavor about it consummate professional you got all the plugs in on one go Ooh, um yeah. it's been amazing having you on and uh, you know Thank if you, you if you like hearing the podcast you can uh see the episodes on over at youtube the melee stats archive is where we're going to put all of our episodes after they air 
while you're on YouTube, you can go over to Melee Stats. That's where we're going to have our long-form content, our video essays. Uh, if you want to see these episodes live, twitch.tv slash Melee Stats. Over on Twitter, at the twitter.com slash Melee Stats pod, we'll be releasing tweets about uh, Last Night of Melee, or, of course, the player in the month we just uh, named. Of course, we have to shout out Pipsqueak for fucking winning a tournament under our name. Um, so you can follow over there at Melee Stats Pod. MeleeStats.co is where we're going to have articles such as Monday Morning Marth and When's Melee. And if you love everything you do and you just want to support us, Patreon.com slash MeleeStats. Nico, amazing episode. I thank you so much for being on. Truly insightful. I love to walk away from episodes learning something. And uh, I really think you did do that. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been so much fun. I want to mention, first off, Nico, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we thank you so much for hosting. Tomorrow is our very own Amber Sinister's birthday. Oh. So if you happen to see Amber Sinister somewhere on the Twitter sphere typing up a storm or coming up with something annoyingly quippy or contrarian or or or, uh, or just being part of the discourse in one way or another, be sure to wish him a happy birthday. Hell yeah. He I deserves it. And then uh, we'll get into... Maybe next week we'll maybe talk about a, a little bit of a melee stats birthday. Yeah, it's definitely a, a big day in melee stats history that's coming up a week or two from now, and we'll talk Hell about yeah. that. But yeah, thank you everyone for being on. Nico, amazing. Edwin, great later, as always. Um, Peace. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for watching, and then we will be around next week to talk about what happens for function and. Of course, see you guys then. Peace. Peace. Later, guys. Peace.